Hey friends, it's good to see you again. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. Let's, Let's start, start the show. It's crazy, right? Episode 45, welcome. 45. And we're doing it at El Banco. <clears throat> Which sounds almost like, uh, what is it when you get the ice cream on the side? Um, a la mode. A la mode. Yeah. Welcome to a la mode coffee. So, so we're doing um, podcast a la banco. Yeah, <laughs> a la mode. We we have a guest with us that we're just going to jump right into. We don't have any news, do we? Mm, no, no news. No, nah, no news. Well, if we think of it, we'll just go back. Yeah, <laughs> because we we have, we're so prepared and uh, we always have like everything scripted out. So ah, and I kicked the table. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We can always go back. Yeah, we can always go back. Our, our first guest that has their own Wikipedia page. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I, I like was, that. I was, pretty, cool. I was pretty excited. It's a cool designation. Yeah, because, you know, you try to do research on mm-hmm. who's going to be on the show. Joe, you um, organized all of this mm-hmm. as usual. And so I'm usually, like, plugging away on the computer trying to, like, get information on who we're, who we're interviewing. Okay. And I was like, whoa, ha! It's all in one place. It's all in one place. You don't have to go yeah. from social media site to social media site. Yeah, it's, it's all there for like, you. It's all right there, and your own and your own website too. Scary. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the, the thing about the website, I should just say, uh, there's there's another Jamie Ford, and she's a Playboy model. So if you do a Google image search, you'll you'll find this <laughs> other person. Oh, I have. Uh, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll look at like the search terms that got people to my website and it's like jamie ford boobs jamie ford nude <laughs> and they get there and it's like books and they just must be like kryptonite <laughs> like what is this oh so so this if you, did, if you did things right you could put little little notes <laughs> yeah. on your website to like really just make sure it. that comes up yeah, yeah. um yeah, that, the keywords in there that, that the other jamie she she tracked me down on instagram actually she's like uh in vegas and is one of those like hostess models that clubs hire to get guys to like buy $500 bottles of champagne or something like that. Right. right. Yeah. She reached out and she's like, yeah, if you're ever in Vegas, we should hang out. We could get a photo of, you know, you'll be in a bikini and I'll be with the typewriter. <laughs> so, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> Someday. Uh, I think, I think a formal introduction is, oh, I mean, we now, we yeah. now, no, it's okay. No, it's, it's totally good. That's what we do. Yeah. We try to do a formal, go ahead, Joe. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. What do you got? Welcome to um, welcome to the show. We have a very, very special guest. His name needs no introduction. It needs an introduction. Because, <laughs> oh wait, I guess it does because we haven't said it yet. His name is Jamie Ford. Oh, that's the first time I've heard that. Welcome, welcome, sir. You may know Jamie um, from so many different things, but also he is an author, a local author. Author. One of the many things that we'll get into today. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. New York Times bestseller. Yeah, that's weird, huh? Like that's. Uh, how does that feel? Yeah, how does that feel? Like I just want to jump right in. Like, do you get how, like how a, does that feel to say? Do you get New like York an email? Bestselling <laughs> author. Yeah, you get the secret handshake, do and they, you get the secret. You know, the, the, the key that gets you in the, the secret dungeon club. Decoder ring. Um, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I mean, it's not bad. But it's like, 
it doesn't change anything. Like I still have to pick up dog poop in the backyard. You know, I don't have like what? servants come in and take care of that. So you don't like, have someone for that. Yeah, mm. we're gonna have to. We have to get a hold of the person that gives away the key yeah. and see if they can't get you a, a dog poop cleaner upper person. Yeah. When, <laughs> when I when I first like got the whatever the news, I was on tour. I was in Cincinnati, um, and we're traveling, and it's it's a super you know it's a real grind. Like you 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 think it's going to be this really cool thing and it is but it's way it's there's like no sleep it's just like a different town every day kind of a thing right and um so we roll into town and uh you know take a nap i gotta be at the the venue in a couple hours and i turn my phone off and when i turned it back on there were like 17 messages and it's like oh something either someone died or something good happened and uh, something good happened. And so then it was like the publisher and my editor and I mean, all these people calling to like, congratulations. And I'm like, yeah, I still got to work tonight. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll celebrate this when I get home. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it was cool. You know, I've no complaints. It's, um, but it's kind of out of your hands, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like it, it's, it's like a zeitgeist moment. You can't manufacture it. It just sort of happens. And if you try to manufacture it, it's like a musician if you have like one hit and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I can just keep banging them out. And yeah. No you can be the most talented person in the planet, but the stars have to align as well. Yeah, right, right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and and so this, the 17 people that messaged you, it um, were they like watching the oh list, God. like waiting, wait, like hitting yeah. refresh all the time, like waiting to yeah. see it like pop up there? Hey, cool. Yeah, it was yeah. like the marketing person, the sales director, the publicity person, the online publicity person like there's a whole crew at the publishing house that you know they're they want to you know, their goal is to make this book a success and right, they, right. they happen to get there then it's like yay it's a big moment and yeah and we all kind of celebrate but That's uh, awesome. <laughs> but i'm just i'm just kind of still kind of weirded out by it but but like not only did you make the list you also like you kind of stayed there. I you like set up it. camp, like I'm started a fire, made some food, and just were like, "This is how it's done, guys." Like you just got to camp here once you're here. Like how yeah. how long was it? It was two. Well, I'm not gonna. It's like two years and seven months or something like that. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> like that's just crazy. Like it, it's weird because like my agent would send me the little note every week, like, "Hey, you made the list," and then after like fifty times, like. Here it is again, and then like eighty <laughs> times, like here it is again, and, and you'd kind of take it for granted. Then at that point, you're like, okay, it's just doing its thing. Yeah. Um, and but again, it's kind of out of your control. Like, um, if you know, if something else had happened in our culture, and you know, the world could have steered a different direction, or someone else could have, you know, Snooky could out this magical celebrity diet book or something like that and <laughs> knock you off the list so right it's, right it's um it's it's just totally weird like i didn't i didn't ever write the book thinking like that ah, that's my goal it's that's what i want to do so how did you find the publishing company and get that whole <laughs> thing started like did you <laughs> did you like have the manuscript or idea and say hey here's what i want to do or how did that how did that happen yeah with fiction you got to have the book done mm-hmm. um, so you had it done you have it done mm-hmm. and then no publishers, uh, the major publishers, none of them will take an unaccepted, unagented manuscript. Like the, the famous one is oh. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that um, was just sent in and some intern pulled it out of a pile and was like, this is great, and passed it on and went up the, the food chain and, and mm-hmm. then they became this big classic book. Everything else needs like an agent. Everything needs an agent, which means okay. you got to like, you got to 
you, you pitch a bunch of agents, uh-huh. and it's all done uh, electronically now. In the back in the day, you'd send out letters, and then you'd have to wait to get mm-hmm. the, the form rejection. And now, mm-hmm. with the internet, you can you can query agents and get rejected often in the same hour. Whoa, oh, so quickly. Oh, I thought you were going to say the same day. You said the same hour. <laughs> same no. hour, like, ouch. That's, yeah. That stings. Yeah, that the first stings. time I ever queried an agent, I sent it off in like 20 minutes, like, no thanks. It's like, no oh, thanks, bro. Wow, okay, that's cool. Just almost like he had like an automatic reply just set up. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're just going to reject all of these. Yeah. No thanks. And, and, and once you sign with an agent, then they work for you. They go and pitch publishers and... They know a bunch of editors, and they, they tend to, I mean, hopefully they're like, okay, I know this this will be the right home for this book, and I'll try to figure that out. And then they negotiate your contract and kind of look out for the business side of things because creative people mm. are not always the best at reading contracts. Right, <laughs> like, mm. right, right. There's right. an 80-page contract. Go ahead and just enjoy that tonight. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> not what I do. Well, yeah. Yeah. That and makes so, sense. Okay. And so, yeah, so they, they set up everything. And, and I guess when they're looking for a publisher, you know, certain publishers put out more totally. fiction or nonfiction or, you know, they're, they're in yeah. this demographic. And so they know, like, I'm going to pitch the, these exactly. three over here because they're, they're more... They're yeah. more in your demographic. Yeah, yeah, they should know. With with nonfiction, it's different because you can like you can just pitch an idea, and then you can sell a whole book off the idea, and then they'll give you an advance, and you take this money and go do whatever the idea was. Where it's like I'm gonna the, the one that that always jumps out to to my mind that just seemed like it was a cool idea, and I it's easy for people to understand as a guy wrote a book, I think it was called A Fighter's Heart. Mm-hmm. His whole pitch was, I'm going to go to Thailand and learn to learn Muay Thai and then fight in a full contact fight. And then I'm going to train with some MMA fighters and I'm going to have an MMA fight. And then I'm going to train for boxing and I'm going to have a boxing match. So he went around the world and kind of got his ass kicked. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right. In many time zones. But it was kind of a cool idea because it was like his, you know, he documented the process of like I'm here in this country and I'm training and doing this stuff and that's kind of this cool. is who I'm going to fight and then this is what happened so he had a really good idea he marketed it to the right people and they're like here's money please go do that and here's some yeah. camera people then they're yeah. going to tape you yeah <gasps> yeah that's kind of cool that's um, a da- that's a dangerous thing to put in my brain yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll come back to that yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe's already has three ideas in his head that he wants to pitch yeah. to get people to fly him around. And even if he gets his butt kicked, like, right. it's okay. Okay, so now let's rewind. Yeah. Um, before the agent. Oh. And before, so before you got into writing, um, refresh my memory. Um, I want to say that you were in marketing in some capacity. Yeah, I worked, I worked in, uh, in, uh, in advertising and design and marketing, which that whole world has changed. Okay, um, and so, yeah, what was your specialties and where were you working at the time? Um, I was working... Before you got into this. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked in Seattle, I worked in mm-hmm. Alaska, I worked in Hawaii, oh. and then I worked here, um, came here to work at Went Advertising, which is just down the street. Oh, yeah, Went. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that was, I uh, was there for, let's say, eight years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was a creative director, had a, uh, an art and design background, but mm-hmm. uh, I tended over the years to do more writing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why, just like, there were just, I'm hiring people that are just far better than me when it comes to design. Mm-hmm. And, and I was I was just, we needed writing help, and that's kind of where I spent a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to write on the side, like, 
like ever since I was a kid, I wanted mm-hmm. to to write a book or write, you know, graphic novels or comics or, or do something like that. Um, and kind of like when you when you're when you're working in advertising, you're you're really you're pimping your soul by the hour. Like I feel that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You're the creative person and the client comes in and it's like, you know, my, you know, my, my, my girlfriend had this idea. What do you think about this? And you're like, I think that idea sucks, <laughs> but then you still have to do that idea. Kind of yeah. yeah. Um, and so writing became this like creative sandbox that was unrelated to my day job where mm-hmm. I could go and I could just do my thing. And I spent a lot of time there. It's just almost like, just for sanity reasons, just to offset the insanity of my day job at times. Um, <laughs> and then I just wanted to live in that sandbox. And I, then I kind of got the idea, like, maybe I could write full time. Like, mm-hmm. I know people do that. I'm not sure how that happens. But um, in my first book, it just had a moment. It really took off. And then that became the tentpole of my career, allowed me to get another contract and and uh, and to quit my day job and to and to write full time. So, so so after you get the first one, they then say, okay, like two years, seven months on on yeah. the, like you've ri- you've rode this horsey long enough. Give us another. But that time, you're going to get a contract before it's written, right? Yeah, it's cool. It's really weird. It's and it's. Uh, it's kind of like the best uh, analog is is like the NFL, where hey, you won the Super Bowl, we're going to give you a bunch of money, hoping you win the Super Bowl again. So mm-hmm. you almost get paid for what you just did, mm-hmm. and if you don't replicate it, then you're going to get paid for how you just bombed. Mm-hmm. And so you're only as good as what you just did. <laughs> you're only as good as what you've already done. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's and it, they can't really like with with hotel they. It was a sleeper hit, so they didn't. My first book, uh, for those listening, that uh, oh yeah, called, yeah, totally. Hotel on the corner of Bitter and Sweet. Anyway, it was a sleeper hit. Mm-hmm. They didn't pay me a ton of money for it, but when it did really well, they then they paid me good coin for my next book, mm. which didn't do well. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, right. critically, it did well, but it was like you you can't just keep like keep knocking them out. It's not mm-hmm. it's not up to you, right? Um, and uh, and they try. They're like, okay, we're going to try and do all these things that will make it a hit. Mm-hmm. And um, like my my last book, I mean, it did fine. It sold really well. Um, the metrics will never measure up to my first book. But the day that it came out was the day Hillary Clinton's book came out. And like at, a, at an airport, they have only room for 24 books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when her book came out, she took up 12 spaces. Oh. So she just hosed a bunch of writers. I mean, I voted right. for her or whatever, but I was just like, I'm in the airport just like, fucking A, come on. <laughs> like, do you need 12 spaces? Yeah. Like, there's 12 of us that could have used those spaces. Dang. Um, but that's... And, and so so on that second one, my, my the first thing that pops in my mind is always like maybe on the, the evil side of things. Mm-hmm. And so when you wrote your first, then you, you pitch it. They don't, they just say, yes, I, we like it or no, we don't. But then on your second one, you don't have the book, but oh, they're yeah. like, you know, make another one. And then you give them the book. And at that point, do they say, oh, we need you to change these words, these sentences, this character. Yes. Do, do they go back and they, they're like, in order for this to make the list, it's got to, it's got to, do these things and you're not doing those things for us. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I, because what happened was I had sold my first book before it was even published. I'd started writing the next one 
And I only have a one book yeah. deal because I just like to be a free agent. Yeah. And I, I wrote this book that I liked. But as my first book was taken off, suddenly there's like 20 sets of eyes at Random House that are watching me like, what are you doing now? Mm-hmm. And whereas before I was just working, you know, in, you know, nobody cared. I was right. just anonymous. Right. And now I wrote this other book that I liked and they kind of liked and they, they, they said they liked it. And we got, we were almost done with it, like edited it, everything. And then they changed their mind. They're like, I don't know. And um, I rewrote that book for like 18 months and we got to a point where I just had to say to my editor and the people there, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make these changes, but your name's going on the cover with me because this is not my, this is like Frankenstein now. This is, right, this is right, not right, my book right. anymore. And, in, and I had started something else beyond that. And basically I showed them some pages from this other idea. And so I wrote a a book between my first and second books that were published, I wrote another one in there that mm-hmm. was never saw the light of day because we just couldn't agree on it. And I didn't want to publish it. They didn't want, I didn't want to publish with their changes. They didn't want to publish it without the changes. And my agent's like, they'll publish it. If, you, if you're like, I'm an artiste, you know, <laughs> publish this. Mm-hmm. They just won't promote it. They'll, right. they'll just be like, okay, fine. We're going to put you in your little corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that book died. And I, and I wrote this other book. And the book that was published um it was a new york times bestseller and stuff but it was a dark book and it, i think i just like i murdered some of my readers with that book it was just way dark mm. whatever mm. sorry and, and <laughs> sorry the, folks <laughs> sorry about the, that. The, your first book is is based out of well essentially out of uh seattle yeah my first three books are seattle based and then the new book is like all over the place Oh yeah, um, I'm a few chapters into um, Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, so I can't talk to you about like you know mm-hmm. all of the story and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But I, I did find it really interesting that um, there's a King Road in there, and I lived on in King on King Road King o- uh, over in Port Orchard. So yeah, oh, Ki- oh yeah, Port Orchard. Yeah, you lived in Port Orchard. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what were you doing in Port Orchard? Uh, my family, um, I, I, we've come from the Kings, so uh, King County, all that oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So my family is like from there i guess yeah yeah um but yeah so that struck me and oh one other thing i wanted to ask you about just might be a little bit of a tangent but um right in the front here you got the um quote for oh and this is melanie's copy she had this sure um yeah we have a we have a hard copy of the book coming out right now we have an advanced reader copy here boom watch out for all you uh literary the litter literary or whatever you call the little I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to like mix the word uh, Illuminati and literati. Liter- the literati for all you literati. Yeah. Thank you. The literati. Um, live it says, "My poor heart is sentimental, not made of wood. I got it bad, and that ain't good." Duke Ellington, 1941. So, what's that quote about? There's this. Uh, they closed right before my book came out. Unfortunately, there's a real. It was like a, a basement level jazz record store in Seattle called Bud's Jazz Records. Oh, and cool. it was just a total dive right downtown. And they've, mm-hmm. you know, they can't, can't afford real estate in Seattle is, you know, yeah. explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were there forever. And I just, you know, I wasn't that into jazz. I just liked that place. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more like a blues guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but I remember Random House sent me out there with a photographer and they're, they're taking photos of me around areas that are uh, depicted in the book. And we went down to, to Bud's Jazz Records. And it's, you know, we go down there and 
uh, Bud is this guy behind the counter, and he's like, hold on, hold on, what are you doing? We're like, this is what we're doing. He's like, well, is this for good or is this for evil? I said, like, this is for good. He's like, carry on. Carry on. That was, that's kind of the jazz vibe. Yeah. The old school jazz vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of imperfect angels creating really cool stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, my dad was really into jazz. I, I really wasn't. For me, jazz was like Kenny G. It was like... Like in, back in the day, jazz was like these big orchestras, and mm-hmm. now it's like a guy at a piano bar, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the same. Yeah, yeah. I love, uh, I love jazz. I, I've, no, I, I guess I kind of grew up with it myself, and and kind of uh, fell into it. And that's why I asked. I was like, yeah. oh, Duke Ellington, because I just happened to know who he was and how he kind of toured around. And I was wondering if that was, and that, so you're, you're alluding kind of to your dad's love of jazz and maybe that Bud's hangout or something. And and also like, because of, because of, you know, Seattle was a red line neighborhood. It really pushed all the people of color to live in one neighborhood. So my Mm -hmm. dad, you know, is working at a Chinese restaurant that at night becomes like a jazz club. So like, (sighs) you know, Chinese people and Filipino people and black people, Jewish people, they're all sort of like congregated in this, Mm -hmm. this neighborhood. And jazz was kind of like, um, I mean, now we think of jazz and it's, it's, it's like Kenny G. It's very safe. It's Mm -hmm. no one's like, we're going to burn that Kenny G record because that's going to corrupt the youth of America. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. They'll corrupt them to, you know, play well. Um, but uh, back then, jazz was, in many cases, it was it was, it was black music, mm-hmm. and, and people you know, were threatened by this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, just like the, the international district back then, this is before Vegas, so mm-hmm. if you wanted gambling, music, booze, going back to prohibition days, or other kinds of uh, illicit fun, mm-hmm. you went to that neighborhood. Yeah. And so that's what I was always like. Like back in the day, you could, like, the international district it's nice but back then restaurants all stayed open till 4 a.m because mm-hmm. you know, there's backroom casinos and there's just lots of there's this vibrant it was very alive and now mm-hmm. it's kind of you know one big starbucks yeah duke ellington was um i think he was quoted as i can't i'm paraphrasing now but he was the one that said um jazz music is it's to get people turned on it's yeah. to get people feeling sexy to get people it's so it was the bump and grind music of that era it was the the genuine pony you know all that stuff and so that's why it was kind of looked down upon but it's what people wanted to hear like people want to go gamble and drink and dance super close to somebody maybe they don't know yeah and And, but just not publicly not publicly yeah yeah yeah. you want to not in high society it's the secret little guilty thing you want to do but not let people know about yeah yeah in the multicultural neighborhood yeah. We'll go there, right. where where right. we can find it. That's what I love about jazz because it it brought people across those lines. Because yeah. you would have white people totally. crossing, trying to find that music because of the music and the cool time that was there. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. cool thing about art, and to some degree, sports. It brings mm-hmm. people out of their mm-hmm. their lanes, and they're like, okay, I I would I know nothing about the Dominican Republic except for this picture, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, it's, and that's cool. Um, oh, yeah. And there was Seattle. You don't think of Seattle as like a jazz town, but it, it mm-hmm. has real legit jazz roots. And so there's a guy, mm-hmm. there's, an, there's actually a, the one real character in the book is a guy named Oscar Holden that traveled from the south up to Chicago and then to Seattle up to Canada uh, with a guy named Ferdinand uh, Morton, uh, mm. Jelly Roll Morton. Oh, cool. And so he, he was in Jelly Roll's band. Whoa. And then he, uh, uh, 
uh, got married, had a family, stayed in Seattle, and Jelly mm-hmm. Roll went back to Chicago and made his first recordings in like 1918 or something like that. And he's you know considered the father of jazz, but mm-hmm. Seattle's jazz scene was all kind of founded by a guy that was at the source. Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. His whole family's mm-hmm. musical. I went, his daughter, Grace, she passed away a couple of years ago, but I went to her 80th birthday and uh, like the whole family's musical. It was insane. It was mm-hmm. like, here's so-and-so's know, nephew would come up and just jam, and someone would come, would come up. You go, you go into like the her birthday party. And it's in this like retirement community rec hall, and there's like a drum <laughs> kit and a piano and all kinds of instruments. And it was just like and the whole family just went for it. It was super cool. Awesome. I hope that's what my 80th birthday is like. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm thinking like like that doesn't happen with my family. We're no. not we're not musical at all, right? If we if we jumped on anything. Yeah, doesn't that seem surreal? It does. It does. It's like, oh man, like I, I, I can't imagine that. My whole family would like jump on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Like, watch this, guys. We can make a reel, you know. Like, that might be what my whole family does, but definitely not like playing the guitar, saxophone, singing. Mm-hmm. Not happening. Yeah. Not happening. Uh, do we want to do ten questions? I know we jumped like right in, but I think we should do ten questions. Let's do I it. I think it would be fun. Yep. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about the intro? Oh, I can do it. You think so? Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm feeling, I'm feeling strong. Keep on. Yellow. Yellow. I think we're on yellow. Okay. Try it. <laughs> we could be wrong. We could be wrong. But hit, hit the yellow. Yeah. Welcome to the thing formerly known as the speed round. That's no longer the speed round. We're just going to ask you 10 fun little questions to help us get to know each other better. It's going to be real fun. And after we're done, we're going to have our pants fitting better. We're going to be less sweaty and our stomachs are going to feel just fine. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you talked about our stomachs. I don't know why I bring that stuff up. It, it, because everything with you revolves around food. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> just like your true soul comes out when you do that live. Yeah, because I'm not, I just go into the moment. I can't think of anything or I'll stutter, yeah. you know? And I just yeah. like, what would, what does this moment need? Yeah. To <laughs> it needs our stomachs to feel better. And so these, uh, Jamie, these 10 questions, there's no requirement on you as to like length. Okay. Um, you know, nothing. It used to be the speed round and people got mad because we like we just <laughs> Too elong- much pressure. Yeah, well yeah, and we, we elongated it like okay. so much. And so question number one yeah. is uh, well it'll it'll definitely get you in the, the mood for what our ten questions are. Uh, you're inside mm-hmm. and you need to go outside. You gotta get the garbage or maybe you hear the garbage truck down the road, so you gotta run the garbage out to the curb, you know, or get get the mail. Are you the type of guy that is barefoot? Do you throw on flip-flops mm. or do you squish down the back of the heel of your shoe? Oh, it's a seasonal thing. In, right. in, in the summertime, I'm barefoot, so I just go out barefoot or flip-flops. Um, and in the wintertime, I'm too lazy to even squish down my shoes. So I will just go out in my socks and I just shred my socks. It's like bad. So, so you don't have a thing against like wet socks? Well, I'll kind of like, st- I'll, I'll dance around the wet if it's com- okay, if, if it's if it's completely wet, then I will just I will probably put my shoes on. Yeah, and um, it, like or just like you know, guess garbage isn't going out this week. It could be that. It could be that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I probably wouldn't squish them down. Like I'm most of the shoes I wear, I can just slip on anyway. So it's not like I'm gonna. Yeah, I said, I'm not lacing up anything anyway. So okay, yeah. okay. So definitely no laces, but you don't have a problem barefoot. No, 
Okay. Yeah, we've had some people. Uh, Joe. <laughs> Joe is one of them that <laughs> goes nowhere barefoot. Really? Like just can't. Like if this was if this was a hundred years ago, Joe wouldn't have made it past his teens. Yeah, I'd be a goner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, barefoot. Yeah, that's. Uh, I lived in Hawaii for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, you just go to the store, and there's someone just wearing board shorts, like <laughs> nothing else. Right. Yeah. Right. Just like, just like, person probably doesn't own shoes. You know, <laughs> right. Just like, and you're you're standing so close to this person, and you're like, you're just one small thin layer of. Almost being nude right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a nice tan. <laughs> right. It's Hawaii, man. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple of friends from Hawaii, and, oh, man, I'd, I wouldn't mind living there for mm. a couple of years. Like, that, that wouldn't be bad at all. It was nice for a while. Yeah. It was, uh, it's not a great place to raise kids, I don't think, as far as, cons- like, and, and it's not, it's just the... This whole like there's like a, a whole side tangent thing, but like in Hawaii, let's, let's take half, that train. half the population puts their kids in private schools, which are like twenty five thousand dollar a year private schools for kindergarten, like first grade. It's, oh goodness, it's bonkers. And then the other half goes to public schools, but because all the people with money put their kids in private school, they don't care about the public schools, so they don't fund them. And so uh, the, the public schools are like you know like a, a third world country. And so you either pay through the nose or you have just a really rough educational system. And, and so is that what brought you out of Hawaii? Yeah. I mean... Like having kids? Part of it was I just missed the seasons. You know, like mm. I, like that first Christmas at the beach is cool. The second Christmas is okay. And the third Christmas, I'm just like, I miss snow. Yeah. Like, yeah. I miss the cold. Yeah. I like, I, I want to know. I know. It's just, it's you kind of, um, I don't know. And now that I've been in Montana for like 20 years, I'm like... I don't know. That sounds kind of nice. <laughs> what was I thinking? Does, um, does Santa come through the air conditioning vent? Is that what he does over there? Yeah, right. And yeah, then, yeah. Then you see pine, like like palm trees with lights decorating yeah, them. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm sure that's like Southern California. I've never spent mm-hmm. Christmas in LA, but it's like that. That I'm sure you walk around like, okay, I guess this is Christmas. Yeah, it's like the Fourth of July in Alaska when it doesn't get dark. There's like, oh, I imagine watching fireworks. That without darkness mm. there's no point but they still do it yeah oh <laughs> yeah that i never even thought of what that. a waste of money total, total waste of money <laughs> yeah. oh okay question two question, question two. two what do you got there is a private jet waiting outside oh. to take you to any meal <laughs> that you want in the whole wide world and you can eat it right there if it's a great place um or you can take it to a place of your choosing to consume the best meal at the best place no where where would you take and, and you, you you've done traveling so like yeah, yeah where would it be <laughs> yeah mm. uh, yeah i was just i was talking about uh we spent a thanksgiving in italy one year and we you know we were a little homesick so we found a restaurant that served an american style thanksgiving dinner but all the food came out in courses. It was like, here's your mashed potato course and you eat that and here's your stuffing course and what? you eat <laughs> Here's your like green beans casserole course, and you eat that. Was it was that enjoyable? It was weird. I'm like like <laughs> someone asked me like like what do you do? And you're like well you have wine in between, so you, know, <laughs> you just drink your way through Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, it was all kind of like just tell me there's pumpkin pie at the end of this journey, and there was. Okay. And um, there was a TV on that had like the Cowboys game. Oh okay. And, all right. Um, but it was like delayed or something like that because yeah yeah the time difference but yeah it was it was a trip um where would i go oh 
God, I, I wish I could go back in time, honestly. Okay, my plane goes through like a wormhole and it comes out in like 1986. And I go to this big Chinese banquet with my, my Chinese family. And they have these big... I'm, I'm, I'm cheating. I'm breaking the rules. I'm going through time, but... It's okay. okay. It's okay. Um, like, yeah, I, I enjoy this. Like, they have these uh, at, at my grandparents' like 50th wedding anniversary or uh, someone's 50th birthday. They'd have these giant feasts and it'd be at this one particular restaurant. There'd be like 50 people all at these round tables with Lazy Susans and it would be like an eight-course meal of all this food that I... Take for I took for granted at the time the stuff I liked stuff I didn't like and now I wish I could go back and just like eat that again because I'll never eat that again because I don't have any relatives that are gonna that are gonna make it to that point you know right, they've already right. they've already passed on and uh, I think my generation we're not gonna, gonna do those big old school feasts um, but it was like you know whole rock cod and like black bean crab and and some stuff that I wasn't crazy about like jellyfish and like but it's yeah, like yeah it's like legit Chinese food. Like, and then my uh, my grandpa would always send me to this uh, this strip mall in a really rough part of town to go, to go like pick up some desserts. And it was like like thanks, Rainier, Grandpa. Yeah, like, like Rainier Beach, which is kind of like the hood at the time. Now it's all gentrified, but it was mm. like he sent me to like a it it was like a, it used to be a Safeway, but now it's like a swap meet inside. Yeah, yeah. But in the back is like a little bakery or something, and I'd go pick something up, and and it, I don't know, it was just. Uh, it was super authentic, and I didn't appreciate it at the time. So I wish mm-hmm. I could redo that. And it's kind of a, a meal that I can't describe to other people. Like, mm-hmm. like, like my wife. Like, we've just she's never been to one. So it's and and unless we crash someone else's party, right? She won't be, go to one ever. So that's kind of uh, yeah. That's that's like and, the most and, memorable meal of my life. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was so. This is this is in Seattle. Yeah, and it's in like it's in Chinatown. Chinatown, the, okay. The China Gate restaurant, which is now like a strip mall or something. It's not there anymore. And mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like, I'm trying to picture, is this a bunch of little tables or is this like, you know, Probably a couple ten, big Probably 10 people long per table. table. Yeah. F- maybe five or six tables. And then one, room. one table that just has all the food on it. No, they right? just bring it out. Like, oh, it, there'll be eight oh. courses. So it'd be like, here's the soup and then here's the, this. And then it just stacks up where there's just plates everywhere. And um, this is when you can smoke in restaurants. So yeah, it's like yeah. super hey. smoky. And uh, I just remember being impressed by the waiter. There was this, he was like, if you see a grown man and he's like 60 and he's a waiter, he's been a waiter for like his lifetime. Right. He's just like the Jedi Knight of waiters. Yeah. And I remember he came out and he had like this vest and a bow tie. And he's he has this ladle. So he has this lazy Susan. So he's doing this thing where he's like ladling soup, just like, like a, a robot from the future, just with perfection. And my grandmother put a cigarette in her lips, and with his other hand, he reached in his vest, had like a Zippo lighter, flicked it open, and lit her cigarette as he's and then as he's ladling without even looking or thinking. Which, which now, like well, nowadays, like those are like um, viral videos on YouTube, yeah. right? When you watch yeah. the people yeah. like you know messing with the ice cream or literally yeah. like ladling soup or like mm-hmm. doing these like. I was watching that as a little kid, just like going. I want to be like that. I want to be, like, <laughs> right. be able to do two different things with my hands at the same time. It's like, that guy must be just like you know, a black belt in Kung Fu or something like that. Right. It's same thing. I think when I see a, like a drummer, Oh God, like, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I wish I could yeah. like my feet 
two feet could be doing different things in my just, hand. Like uh, there's a mm-hmm. brain in every limb. Just, mm-hmm. just to play and sing at the same time is alien to me. Yep. Like I don't know. Yep. My brain can't happens. wrap around that. Yeah. yeah. It's tough at first. I learned when I was 26. So I have vivid memories of learning. It's just like anything else, you know, like you're like, I can't do this. I won't ever be able to do this. And then you practice every day and you get it. Um, I was going to say, um, oh, I have a great idea. Why don't we do a nonfiction book pitch yeah, of you crashing these style family Chinese, like we just find troll the families, them. we troll them, and we, I'm saying we, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're in on this We're now. in on this. Yeah. Um, so we support you. Yeah. You go in there. Oh, you, you can totally go. You go, and we're filming you. We're eating, obviously, behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, I'm not going if I don't But we want to see the, the just joy on your face as we crash family <laughs> family and we got to find some places maybe doing it at a a, a hall where grandma's still smoking yeah, yeah if yeah, we can find yeah, that yeah we've got to try i to know there's they're still doing it someplace mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and there's places you walk into like even right here in great falls you're like okay dude you just put out your cigarette mm-hmm. when i walked in i think that <laughs> i know you're not supposed to smoke <clears throat> indoors you're totally smoking indoors yeah. okay so put that on the put that in and let that idea marinate everybody because um, yeah you can totally to crash because there's bound to be some weird cousin nobody knows nobody knows this oh so aren't you cousin whatever yeah, and you're like yep i am yeah. that one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here to pay my respects okay Pass the food. Pass the food, please. <laughs> Respects. Pass the food. Pay no mind to the camera crew because I, this is all being paid. For. And and like just even thinking about like that food, I had a sister that lived over, well, sister-in-law that lived over in Seattle for a long time and she would send us for Christmas, she'd send us like a, a care package of Asian type food, right? Mm, and like, mm-hmm. so you'd think you're opening a bag of chips, but it's in a bag of dried squid. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and she would send us like the most unique things ever. And it, I love trying food. I love, I'm not scared of food at all. Mm-hmm. And so a, a spider, you show me a live spider in my, I, I'm screaming like a girl. You fry it mm-hmm. and I'll try to eat it. Yeah. Right? Like, like it, I'll try to eat it. a different sure. thing. And so when, when you're talking about this, I'm just like, man, oh, man, I know you may not get the, you may not enjoy everything you put in your mouth, but like it would be such an amazing, like, um, uh, mm-hmm cultural experience to just be able to be in there. I think that's the yeah. best way to experience a culture is sitting down at the table. I, it is. It can be... Uh, I went to Japan and I, I ate raw chicken. And that's not something I recommend. Yo. <laughs> it's like, I do all my chicken medium rare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was chicken sashimi. It was like... Yo. It was raw. And I guess they... I, I'm assuming somehow they get the chickens and they're sure they're just like disease free and parasite free and stuff like that. But you're still putting raw chicken in your mouth. Right. Cause I, I think there's, there's certain liquids you can put on that keeps it raw, but it kind of, you know, like, uh, like a vinegar. I know it's not a vinegar, yeah. but like something like that, that kind of cooks most of that out essentially, but th- chemically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could not, I could not do it. Like, like I did, you know, I can <clears throat> like, you know, here's a fried fish and you bite the head off. Like all that stuff's fine. Raw chicken got me. That broke me. You're like, nope. I have a I, line. Yeah. I had raw duck one time. Was, was it, it just it, undercooked? Or was it no, no, no. It was it was legit raw duck, oh, and it's just. I like it's, duck. It's, it's I right. I, I like I like duck man. as well. And there's no way I'm gonna go shoot a duck during you know waterfowl season and then bring it home and just like start <laughs> chop it up. Yeah, just start slicing it up. And so I'm assuming you know just the same thing. Farm raised. They kind of know where it's been and and. But yeah. it, you, you still feel like anytime it's a some a flying, you know, we're just, animal. We're just conditioned to like not eat certain raw animals, right? Like, 
and yeah so just like putting that in my mouth and chewing it and yeah it was just like it tasted like regret (laughs) (laughs) i wish i wouldn't have done this that's what it tastes like (laughs) okay question question three question three is um we don't know why but you are now forced to watch an animated Mm. something like tv show movie uh you have to do it are you choosing anime some kind of adult swim you know uh family guy archer or are you going disney you know children's are you going that way? Which of the three are you picking Let's if like you have to? Cycles of life. Um, I'm probably doing the Adult Swim type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's like seasons. Like there was, with my kids, there was like you know, the season of Disney stuff. And then there was, they're kind of like their high school discovering emo phase and they're into anime. And, yeah. And then as I'm an adult and my children are all grown up like we had a christmas where yeah we just we i made some thc brownies and we all watched rick and morty like <laughs> you're doing that with your grown children <laughs> yeah and so that's yeah. kind of like the, oh, the, the, the the spot i am in life i guess so jealous adult. right now yeah. <laughs> yeah. so so um brownies with um rick and morty that's that's your choice yeah, it's, it's okay. That's, All right, uh, that was that was fun. And I, I get the seasons and cycles, but the one we're interested in is right mm-hmm. now. And so, if you have yeah. like, mm-hmm. you like, we're like, you have to right when you get home. You're like, okay, I'm gonna make some brownies and watch uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, probably. Okay, good uh, answer. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Real like quick, it. I saw um, a video on YouTube yesterday where they have a, a drunk, like the guy who does Rick's voice. <laughs> okay. He he decided to do it drunk. One, like really drunk like he keeps on taking all these shots of tequila i wow. highly recommend okay. it's hilarious and he does not look the way you're thinking he's gonna look he's kind of a younger big old husky guy <laughs> weird anyways yeah okay. question four question four <clears throat> question four question four um so i'm gonna change it up a little bit okay i'm still gonna be desert island Okay, but I'm just going to limit it to the oh, item. Yeah, this is this is the one. Hard. This question we've got to change. We've got to so, change this question. But it's um, since since you're an author, mm. we'll do it like this. Um, you're you're standing on a desert island, and you can take well, forever. <laughs> I'll just say you can take up up to three books. Oh wow! What, what are these three books that you're gonna? Just three books. What what would they be? You know. I like I like the change up. Yeah, not one book, not a whole library, but if you had three, what would you do? Three books. Yeah, Gosh, that's yeah. hard. Um, wow. Like, part of me, it's like, what's the biggest book I can imagine? But that's probably not the best answer. <laughs> yeah. like, like, like if the, in the encyclopedia, if that yeah. was one volume, one big boring <laughs> book versus. Yeah. Um, one would probably be a book called Deathbird Stories by Harlan Ellison, um, which was banned for my high school. And I, I went to the public library and I checked it out and I read it. And that was the first, that was kind of the book that made me want to be a writer. Um, it was the first time I, I realized books have the power to cause parents to absolutely lose their shit. And that was, <laughs> I was like, yeah. there's something interesting going on there. Um, the other, what would the be, God? Um, it's a tough one. Um, it's okay. You're not on any rush, so you know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain books that. Uh, yeah, I'm just like going through 
book. I don't reread books really because I I just don't have time. There's too many books in right. the world. So, yes. so yeah. my brain is like, I want to get a book I haven't read, but what if it totally sucks? And I'm stuck <laughs> with it, and I could start a signal fire with it or something like that. Um, I suppose practically it should be like you know. Uh, living on a desert island for dummies or something like that. <laughs> <Had> <laughs> I a, like it. I like yeah, it. Good one. Good yeah, one. Had, yep. a, had a snare seabirds and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> how to survive. Um, and uh, gosh, it seems like I like the music. <laughs> That's nice. Like a nice little music bed, right? That is. Yeah. It, that is. Yeah. It just kind of works. It doesn't rush you like Jeopardy. It makes you feel comfortable in the pause. Yeah. I, I think about books that you can't have in certain circumstances because I've, I've, I've done a couple book events in prison and then they're like, okay, we can't have these kind of books. You can't have a book on how to like, you know, read maps and stuff. <laughs> uh, survival skills for prisoners, escapee prisoners. Um, you can't have hardbacks because you can like beat someone to death with a hardback. Yeah. Um, as one does. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Yep. Yep. Choose your weapon, you know, a <laughs> saber, a musket or a hardback. Um, I suppose it'd probably be some weird book on like how to learn another language or something. Like yeah. Something yeah. to pass the time. Yeah. That sounds really boring. But it's or like, like a book on magic. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like I want to learn magic. Yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. Um, yeah, something something that would be entertaining in a physical skill set way rather than just like I'm going to disappear into this book. So so book number one is the inspiration yeah. that, that gives us uh, author Jamie Ford in front of us today. Next one is how to survive on an island, practi- practical. And then the next one is like how not to like get bored, right? yeah, learn a new skill. skill. Like let's, let's use this time wisely. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. I like it. That's, good answer. That's definitely good. Uh, number five is an easy one. Mm. Um, if you want to share, mm. do you have any phobias? Phobias, wow. Um, not real phobias. I have some goofy superstitions that I Ooh. that I'm not really in superstitious about. But but, but they're still kind of there. But I think about it. Yeah, uh, like um, uh, the number four is an unlucky number in Asian culture. It's a it's a homophone. I'm saying that correctly. The the character is similar to the character for death, and so it's just whoa. Yeah, and so <laughs> learning. Uh, yeah. Nuggets, nuggets going in my brain right now. So I check into a hotel and they put me on the fourth floor. I don't ever have them change it, but I'm like, yeah, it's an unlucky floor. That's probably like like my ancestor to be like, don't do that. No. Um, the other is uh, giving away uh, giving away knives. Like, is that? Did you know that's is that bad luck for y'all? Like, no, like no, like, that's actually like a thing. Like, yeah, my my grandpa gave me a, a like a you know like a big like a uh, I guess it, it was just like a buck knife. Yeah. When I was, when I was a kid, he's like, you got to give me a penny. I'm like, why? And he's like, because it's bad luck to give someone a knife. You always, they always pay for a knife. You always buy a knife. You don't take a knife as a gift because it's, it's bad luck. Like the person's going to hurt themselves with that knife and it's your fault or something like that. Oh, and, so that is. And so I do that. Like, like, like that. my kids, like my, my son was in the scouts and he's, you know, going to the Bob Marshall and I give him a knife. And I'm like, okay, give me, give me a quarter, dude, because yeah. I'm not giving you this nine. Oh, <laughs> inflation has brought it up. Yeah, then. it's brought it yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, and my my wife gave me a, a like a 
really nice meat cleaver for a couple Christmases ago. I, I do mostly cooking. And I'm in this, like, Facebook forum of, like, uh, like you know, cooks and amateur, you know, people that just cook for fun. Uh-huh. And everyone was posting, like, the knives they got for Christmas. Yeah. And then there'd be a couple, like, old... Chinese ladies are like, no! (laughs) (laughs) No, you must pay for them right now. Like, gifts, no. Yeah, Yeah. give them a dollar right now before you use that knife. (laughs) I thought that was totally awesome. So, Uh, that's awesome. So, a quick little sidetrack is I didn't. Sorry, there was a question there, and I think I totally didn't answer it. No, 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 you did good. It was one of your phobias, and you you went right into it. So that, no, it was fantastic, which we, uh, I was in Guatemala one time with uh, this, uh, uh, I'm a vet, and this other guy was a vet, and and we were there together as kind of the adults with these youth kids, and we were in uh, a McDonald's in Guatemala uh, ordering breakfast, and some of the, the Guatemalan army came in. Oh. Kind of a kind of a scary thing yeah. because they're they're carrying loaded mm-hmm. weapons, right? If you saw somebody, you know, Great Falls, we have a military base. None of them are walking around town with a loaded weapon. But but, in, but even if you saw them, you'd be like, I know that uniform. I know that guy. Like, you know, like, right? Like, right? If, if it's someone speaking a different language in a foreign uniform that you associate with, like crazy stuff happening, right? Yeah, right. Third world country. And so this 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 guy that I'm with, his name's Nick. Uh, Nick walks right up. And, and, like, he doesn't speak the language at all. He's as, as hillbilly as you can imagine. You know, beard, like, I don't know, probably uh, picks up roadkill. You know what I mean? Like, like this kind of guy. And he walks up, and he, and he has a knife. And he's like, I want to give you a knife. Like, by, and, oh, boy. So, like, through this. I want to give you this knife. <laughs> right. <laughs> and point it at your eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, right. It's a gift. And I'm like, this is crazy that you're pulling out a weapon but he he somehow translates that he wants to give this guy a gift because he was in the military and he wants to give this military guy a gift mm-hmm. and so that guy literally rips off one of his patches nice. and and gave it to him and I'm, I'm thinking it might have been something along those lines that like he's not going to take a knife for free yeah you know he wants to kind of exchange and, and give him something and so my buddy got a, a patch out of it and i'm wondering if it's kind of tied in with that but we would have we would have never way. known because it lost through translation. Right, that's a good trade. That's cool. It, it, it is yeah. a good trade. I Especially, was kind of jealous. It wasn't like I wouldn't he just like it. reached into his pocket and pulled out like you know here here's like a receipt or something. <laughs> right. Here's like, a stick of gum. Yeah, right. it's like something that he's earned. Yeah, that, yeah. That represents you know. His mm. unit. Yeah, it that's was cool. it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh, question six, Joe. Yeah. What do you got? Question six. This is one of my favorites. I actually like this one. You can have any sort of. I mean, it, it can't be mythical, but it can be just not a good idea. But you can have any type of pet that you want. And you can, like, you know, picture yourself riding, riding an elk or something. Picture yourself with an elephant. Picture, picture yourself with a falcon. falcon. You know, like, what, what would it be? Or would you dig a pool and buy a, buy a dolphin? I haven't thought of that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird, the first thought. Like as soon as you said falcon or something like that, that seems like useful. You can go like hunting with it. it mm-hmm. You know, it has like a real purpose. Um, my first thought is probably like the third grader and me coming out just like polar bear. Like mm-hmm. like polar bears are smart. Like when they when they hunt, you know, they cover their nose, or the, you know, like the one black part on their body. Gotcha. Like they, they, I mean, they're just I don't know. They're just they're fearsome. They're scary. They they're super intelligent. Um, I mean, polar bears must think grizzly bears in the south are just 
the laziest, lamest animals. Because there's like, there's, you know, there's there's forests, there's food everywhere. They could forage for berries, they could get animals. In, in the Arctic, it's just like, I'm going to have to stock this thing in, you know, from, out, from out on an, on an ice flow. Yeah, yeah. for miles. Um, so, yeah, polar bear. You know, polar, polar, right, you know, yeah. going into the, the drive, you know, the drive through at Starbucks riding a polar bear. Oh, okay. That was my question is, are you going to ride it? And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Answer, answer yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Most definitely riding the polar bear. It's like yeah. an epic like saddle it. even, maybe. Yeah, oh, I, mean, yeah. I, mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're, um, I mean, you, you're a hunter. Have you, you hunted in Alaska? I haven't hunted in Alaska. Like I would it, absolutely. It's like Montana on steroids. Right. Like everything mm. there is bigger. Yeah. Yep. Like people are like, I saw a moose up in the flathead. And I'm like, yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> That's right. Like, right. See a moose in Alaska. It's twice that size. Yep. Whoa. Um, yeah. Mm. It's, anyway. Yeah. Everything's bigger. The deer are bigger. The bears are bigger. Yeah. yeah every, the, 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 the mountains salmon, are bigger. Yeah. yeah every, everything's bigger in Alaska. I thought that was, yeah. I thought that was Texas. Texas claims in, that in Alaska, <laughs> they Alaskans laugh at Texas. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Texas. Yeah. 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 Two, two and a half Texases would fit in Alaska. Ah, so cute. Yeah. Cute little state. <laughs> it is. Cute little. It is. Cute They're like, Texas. oh, that's so cute. You have deer that would fit in a cooler. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. That's cute. That's nice. You, yeah, you, you hunted that all day. Cool. That's fun. That's very special. <laughs> yeah. No. If 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 we're Pitching another book, it would be the three of us going to Alaska to hunt. That'd be um, fun. That, and, that would be fun. And then crashing also Chinese families. Events. While in Alaska. Okay. <laughs> While okay. in Alaska. Because right. there's got to be, I mean, I remember Seattle had a big Asian population. And so maybe Seattle, I mean, Alaska too. I'm only guessing. There's I'm hoping. Of, like, like my grandpa, he worked in Alaska mm-hmm. for years, just, at, you know, in canneries and stuff like that. So, yeah, well, that'd be part of the advance to pay us to, like, do that research just to make sure, you know, find the families. This sounds very seedy, but we're going to find, yeah. find the families. We're stalk them. And, stalk yeah. them and then see when someone's having an 80th birthday or something. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we plan our hunting trip. Hopefully mm-hmm. it's around. Well, it could be fishing, too. Like, we could do a salmon run, you know. Yeah. I, I, I prefer the hunting. I would, but I would, I would recommend hunting. Like, yeah. the, like you go salmon fishing in Alaska and it's that like combat fishing where you're mm-hmm. literally like elbow right to elbow next with 200 to people. people. Yeah. And there's so much, I mean, there's so many salmon running. It's okay. Everyone catches their limit. But wow. in Alaska, yeah, I, I'm not a big hunter. Um, I've gone hunting here, uh, but I can't imagine like Alaska. <laughs> I can't imagine like, um, you're the big hunter, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, and I'm you. You bagged an elk. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and that's work. Right. That is like an insane amount of work. Right. And then in Alaska, you, you, you crank that up to like a moose. Right. Where you're just like, who brought the chainsaw? You know, we're not quartering it. We're taking this to eighths. Yeah. You know, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's. I mean, I love the taste, but the work is insane. That's like, I like the idea of running, uh, you know, like a ultra marathon. I can't do it and I wouldn't do it, but I'm like, that's, that's, that's you, know, you know, props if you can do that. And so that's, that's hunting Alaska. That's so the, crazy. the last guy I went hunting with, he's got, uh, I, I, it's somewhere on the world record for moose in his, in his living room. It's like number 56 or something. Right. And, uh, and it would have been like number two or three, but there was a little thing wrong with, with one of its paddles up there mm-hmm. you know that that messed it up and it brought it down the list but um he went to alaska and got it and and yeah so an elk on they call it on the hoof 
So it's like how much it weighs before you start like packing it down. Uh-huh. A smaller elk is, you know, 500 pounds. And then you get into a bigger one, you might get up into that six, seven, eight hundred pounds. And then when you break an animal down, you're getting about 30% because there's, you know, the, the hide and the guts and bones and different things like that. Like they, they all actually weigh quite a bit. And so you're taking all that out and you still, so you got to think with an elk, just a, a third of it, like you're, you're carrying out 200 pounds of, of just meat, yeah. right? And that's, and that's, that's a lighter one. Uh-huh. Um, and so you're taking several trips. Well, a moose, <laughs> like you could get into 12, 13, 1400 pounds on the hoof. Oh. And so when someone's trying, like you don't carry in Alaska, you have to, but you typically don't want to carry the bones out with you because they weigh so much. When Alaska, uh-huh. you, you, you need to, like, that's a, one of the laws you got to carry the bones out with you. And so like, I can't like, like just one leg is the size uh-huh. of a deer here. Yeah. Right, and so you don't carry with an elk. You'll you'll carry a leg in your backpack. With a moose, two people will like get a log and like carry a leg out. It, it's just crazy. It's, it's, it's like crazy. I'm gonna go in the back country for a couple of days, and I'm gonna find a Honda Civic and I'm gonna take it out <laughs> bit by bit, piece by piece. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's like. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, question seven. Yeah. Oh, okay. Question seven is. Uh, I always tell it this way, and I don't know if it's the best way, but it's just how I do it. Mm. When I'd ride around with my grandpa, he was always playing uh, classic mm. music, classic rock, and my mom was always playing 90s country. Mm. And so I just remember that as a kid, and it definitely influenced you know, my music choices growing up. And so do you, re- do you specifically remember you know, riding around with whoever you were riding mm. around with, grandparents, guardians, neighbors, whatever, like this music stuck out to you? And now what kind of music do you listen to? So oh. what was it then? And how did that kind of, it doesn't have to be a direct like correlation, but you know, yeah. both those questions. Um, I'm the youngest of five and my, all my older brothers and sisters, they're like 10 years older than me. And so the music I listened to as a kid was kind of like their music. And so I was like that weird fifth grader listening to Elvis Costello and uh, Steely Dan and like, uh, Jackson Brown, like all the stuff that was what they were listening to in the 70s. Um, and so for me as a kid, it was always listening to, like most kids my age were listening to like the Bay City Rollers or disco or something like that. Um, and I would like my you know, sisters listening to the Grateful Dead and stuff like that, um, which I don't really like the Grateful Dead. But um, yeah, so it was probably kind of that uh, troubadour of the '70s, like Springsteen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like, like it's so disappointing when I listen to like a, a song that it's just designed to be an earworm, so it sticks in my brain. But it was not written by the performer; it's written by some songwriter in Sweden who's just like this mad scientist with lyrics. Yep. And yep. then it's hyper-produced, and then it's uh, auto-tuned. Yep. And I just like the Jackson Brown, the, the Springsteen, the, you know, even early Rod Stewart and stuff like that, where it's just really good songwriting. The the musician, you know, has slept on many couches and floors and the back of a car on tour. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's just kind of like that, that uh, legit up from the bottom troubadour kind of vibe. And so I, I, I like that. Um, and I probably still listen to stuff. I mean, I listen to everything, and so um, I I don't want to get stuck in like 
a genre or something like, and, and I don't like listen to this and hate other things categorically. So I, mm-hmm. I like country and I like hip hop and I like rap and I like, you know, uh, ambient music and, uh, math rock and all that stuff. And so, um, luckily I have a couple kids and I'm just like, what are you listening to? you really like and then they'll play something i'm like well, you know what that sounds exactly like brian ferry let me play you this song and they'll be like oh wow there's, there's some connective tissue between then and yeah, now yeah yeah and so i don't i don't really vector in on one thing but probably a common thread of stuff that stands out that i listen to now it's it's really the lyrics have to have to matter um mm. songwriting has to matter um gosh there was someone i just i was just listening to I can't remember his name. Something. I can't remember. He sounds like Tom Petty. The, the, just lyrically, the, the just the vibe sounds like a like Tom Petty came back came back to life. I can't remember his name. It's something Denon. Oh. Yeah. 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 Um, ain't no reason things are this way. Sad they've always been and they intend to stay. I can't explain why we live this way, but we do it every day. Yeah. People's on the podium speaking of saints. Down down the bottom, back with the plane. Down the line is out and out of father's name. It was in my name. That's it. Now <laughs> will come set me free. I do believe. Brett Denon. Brett Dennis trying to get the name. I'm like, I can't get this. I play it like every night almost. Yeah, I'm listening to it. I'm like, why do I like this so much? And then I'm just like, he is that poet. He's like a poetic Mm -hmm. troubadour. Like, I love, I I mean, it all sounds good. It all sounds right, kind of soft, kind of poppy. But then you listen to the words and you're like, well, this is kind of like a poem. Yeah. This is cool. Like Jason Isbell, Corey Brandon. Mm -hmm. Some Um, of the newer uh, country outlaw, country guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I guess it's Americana, is how the, the Grammy. Category for it, yeah, yeah. Um, Vaguely country, yeah, yeah, country. But they swear and they do mushrooms. Yes, you know, like, like <laughs> Willie Nelson, yeah. sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, do you know Joey Running Crane? I don't. Um, Sounds familiar, but I'm not. I can't uh, place him. I'll, I'll send you some, some links. Yeah, jo- Joey, I love, and uh, he's from Browning. He was in Missoula for a while. Um, I think he's now back up in Browning. Maybe that's why I've heard of him. And he is very much that kind of uh, Corey Brannon kind of. I mean, it's just yeah. I I love his music. I, I'm like, dude, like mm-hmm. just waiting for you to blow up. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to be discovered or seen or even known in Montana. And I know he's he's traveled to New York and has done shows and stuff like that. But. Um, yeah, uh, Joseph Running Crane. Awesome. Uh, really, <laughs> really good stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, when he would travel, like, he's crashed in my at my house so many times. Like, um, you know, he'll do a show in wherever, Arizona or someplace, and he flies in late at night and doesn't want to drive up to Browning at mm-hmm. midnight in the snowstorms. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. crash on my couch or something. And Yeah, he came over one time, and... And then just, you know, he's still got the energy. I mean, he just busts out his guitar and we're all chilling. There's some, some friends around. He just you know, plays for like four hours. Whoa. Like, you want to hear some new stuff? I'm like, yeah, I want to hear some new stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. That's awesome. just a, a running answer always. You yeah. don't even have to ask the question anymore. Yeah. It's always yes. 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 That. Joseph. Yeah. Joseph Running Crane. Running Crane. All right. Cool. Yeah. Check it out, guys. I'm sure you can find it on and he, YouTube. And he has a real 
punk rock ethos or DNA to him. Mm-hmm. Like he played in a, God, what's it called? Like King Elephant or something. It's like it's just some indigenous punk band. Yes. Oh, I've heard of these. Um, there's um, a big contingent, not big, but there's a very strong contingent of like heavy metal punk. Yeah. Um, and and the, the kind of the genres that actually make sense when you think about the indigenous yeah. populations, you know, they've got a lot of anger to, to express. And so there's a lot of, a lot of bands like that. I, I saw Joey one time. He, he opened for Jack Gladstone. Um, Jack, yeah, the Montana Troubadour. Yeah, yeah. Jack is kind of like the, you know, he like, uh, I don't know him personally, but like he's, mm-hmm. I always kind of describe it as like native music for white people. Like it's it's not threatening in any way. It's very lyrical and it's mm-hmm. beautiful and it's kind of emotive of, of a natural space. He wants everyone to like it. You know, little babies can listen to it. Yeah, okay. it's mm-hmm. very safe. And uh, and Joey <laughs> opened for him, and he like played his normal songs, but he uh-huh. played them like twice as fast and twice as loud. <laughs> and he went over his time by like twenty minutes until oh. Jack walked out and unplugged his amp. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh boy, like, like, and yeah, I talked to Joey about it, and he's like, you know, when I did track, I, I did like the long jump, and my 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 coach always said. Like, you see that fence across the field? You're always jumping over the fence. Mm-hmm. You're not jumping over this little pit. You're, you're going over the fence. And he's like, when I play, I'm just always going over the fence. That's I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can respect that. Yeah. He's just trying to swing for the fences, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the audience, they're, you know, people, like, in their 80s who are, like, covering their ears and just, like, what's, oh my. Ha- what's happening here? <laughs> I did okay. not sign up for this. <laughs> that is kind of punk rock. Yeah. Think? yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, question, what are we on? Question eight? Question eight. Question okay. eight. Um, so what types of food were prepared in your household growing up and then how does that kind of inform the way you eat today oh yeah interesting my my dad was chinese and my mom was from the ozarks um missouri uh uh uh, my family's from the that whole area Mm -hmm. but my mom was actually from marshall arkansas which is up in the uh town of like 700 the Ozarks. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so my dad did most of the cooking, but when my mom cooked, it was very Southern. So it was like beans and ham hocks and cornbread and chicken and dumplings and um, hush puppies. Hush puppies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gravy on everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom was a terrible, sorry, mom. My, both my parents are gone, but my mom was a terrible cook. Awful. <laughs> I look back on it now and I'm like, oh my God, that was awful. Yeah. But it was like, you know, poor Southern food, and it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of rough. Um, when my, when my, when I was really little, like my parents had chickens, and my mom would, you know, chop the head off, and my sisters would pluck them, and she'd fry them up, and stuff like that. Um, but my, my dad always, uh, you know, he, we owned a restaurant when I was really little, and so we always, like my dad would do like a meat order, and he'd always get extra for home hmm. so we we ate all, so much steak and i just didn't like it at the time uh, yeah. i'm like a little kid and like i just mm-hmm. want macaroni and cheese or whatever mm-hmm. like why are we always eating steak um and i guess that was like <laughs> a, so weird this is a horrible <laughs> yeah horrible upbringing <laughs> and of course i'm like this stupid you know third grader so i want everything well done right? oh yeah and then, yeah, it, yeah then of course it's terrible right um and so those now i 
because my dad did all the cooking, my grandpa did all the cooking, I, I do all the cooking. Um, I like to cook anything wherever mm. I will, I will get, sometimes I'll get a cookbook and I'll try to cook my way through it. And I never quite make it, but I'll get like halfway and I'll cook some crazy stuff that I, you know, like I once made, uh, like maple bourbon marshmallows. Like, have you ever made marshmallows? I've never made marshmallows, but it was like I've never made. Marshmallow. I'm gonna make marshmallows, and then you, nice. you put them between. They're like these, you know, like a big square, mm-hmm. and I put them between graham crackers with this kind of like bourbon chocolate sauce. And so, like, my dad was kind of a fearless uh, cook, mm-hmm. and because of that, and like I had a roommate in college, and like he couldn't cook because he was so married to a recipe so if it was like oh, uh-huh. you, oh, must yeah, have, yeah. you must have a quarter cup of this and you know, i don't have that and i can't i don't like he was just vapor locked like yeah yeah he couldn't go off the recipe and mm-hmm. figure something out and my dad it was always just figuring it out so mm. um so yeah probably my dad cooking uh my grandpa cooking What's what's uh, one or two types of what was like his main go to dishes during the week that he'd cook for you guys? Oh, my dad. Yeah. Oh. Besides steak. Besides <laughs> steak. <laughs> and was um, it just like a regular steak, or did he have some sort of? Was it like a? Oh, it was Jared's terrible steak. Like it was cooked. Yeah, on mm-hmm. like a frying, like a cast iron grill. Oh, okay, like, gotcha. Or a cast iron pan. Like it wasn't like on a nice grill or barbecue. He wasn't marinating it no. or anything like that. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. It was just like. Like very functional. Okay. Um, yeah, my dad cooked a lot of fish. We like the whole fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably yeah, my dad seafood scallops, um, just stuff that mm. um, <clears throat> some sort of weird shrimp and a tomatoy sauce. I can't remember. I wasn't crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of like my dad's stuff. Um, yeah, that's. Interesting. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and so these days... But my, my dad was really good at, like... Um, my dad was a really good baker. Oh, like, like, oh there we go. Which is weird, and I... <laughs> Where you kind of have to be exacting, I, but he just would figure out his own his own way to do that, too? Or? Uh, yeah, there's a story there. Um, <laughs> my, my, I remember, like, my dad could, like, for, like, Christmas morning, he could just, like, throw a bunch of stuff, no recipe, throw a bunch of stuff together roll it out but this is like the great british baking show it's just oh doing yeah it. okay he's rolling it he's cutting it with scissors he's you know lacing it together and popping it in and cooking it was like amazing i'm like how did you learn to do that uh-huh. and the story was that my dad served on a merchant marine ship like when he was 17 oh. for a number of years and learned to bake on the ship and cook that was not quite the truth okay <laughs> i found out last year my dad was in San Quentin, <laughs> okay, cooking what? in prison as a very young man, and uh, that's where I learned to cook. So, like as a job, or <laughs> he was serving time there. Yeah, I I knew that neither of my parents graduated from high school. Um, my mom, because she got pregnant when she was sixteen, and just like that's probably pretty late in the South in the fifties. <laughs> yeah. um, but my dad. Um, and both my parents were married before they got together, but my dad, yeah, he, he went to jail at 17 and then, uh, I, yeah, I, f- I found out about my dad's criminal, uh, criminal past, which Whoa. like, I'm the only person in the family that didn't know. <laughs> so I, I asked, cause I'm like 10 years younger than everyone. I asked my brother uh. and he's like, 
remember, I thought you knew. I'm like, no, like I had no idea my dad was in San Quentin and Folsom. Oh, cool. Wow. As, uh, as like an 18 year old. I mean, kind of cool. <laughs> well, he was, my dad was covered with tattoos uh-huh. and I was always told they were like from his time, you know, on, out at sea. On the merchant. The um, merchant yeah. marines. And when he was 17, got all those tattoos. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. And, my, and my godfather had the exact same, like tons of tattoos. Uh, they were all prison tats. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so you're, you're. They met in prison on the merchant ship. They were cellmates <laughs> in S-A-I-L. San Quentin at 17. S-A-I-L. Yeah. Sailmates. Sailmates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, was, wow. crazy. This that is and so this guy's your godfather, and you don't find out till last year that they were cellmates. Yeah, you know, my dad's been gone for 13 years, 15 years, and uh, just on some, like, I, I have access to a bunch of, uh, newspaper databases that I use for historical research for writing. Mm-hmm. And um, for some reason, I was like, maybe I can find my godfather. I haven't seen him in forever, for decades. Maybe he's still alive. If he's alive, he'd be like 90. Yeah. Maybe he'd have some crazy stories about my dad. And so I'm Googling around, and I found the perp walk photograph of my dad and my godfather and two other guys after they were arrested. Oh. Uh, and I'm like, whoa. And I'm, I'm looking at <laughs> dad. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> Okay, that guy has my godfather's name, and that guy has my dad. That's got to be them. Like, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it was them. Um, oh, so, yeah, then I went down all these weird... Um, yeah, I don't know how far, how deep you want to go into this rabbit hole, but I, I called... My dad remarried after my, my parents got divorced, and uh, I didn't really get along with the, with the woman he remarried, um, and so we've kind of fallen out of touch. Um, I reconnect... When I found this out, I reconnected with her on Facebook, and I, I asked her, I was like, did you know that my dad was in prison? And she's like, well, I only knew about the one time when he killed a guy in a bar fight. Oh, only and, that, huh? And she said that, like, how's the weather? Like, <laughs> right, so right, casually. Right, right. Like, and how are you, would you doing? Would you like fries with that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I'm like, how, how are you doing? Like, what? I'm like, no, no, go back. We got to talk about that. And he was like, yeah, that's all I knew. You know, didn't want to talk about it. And I'm like, my whole... My brain is just like exploding. Like what? That makes no sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And then I, I asked a bunch of older relatives, like my dad's cousins, who were like in their nineties. I'm like, tell me about this because this yeah. is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And depending on um, depending on who you who I talked to, some were like, okay, your dad was in a gang when he was like in high school. And um, he either killed someone in a gang fight or he took the rap for someone who killed someone in a gang fight. Right, okay. And, and, and like, some of the relatives are like, no, he didn't do it. He took the rap. And the other relatives are like, yeah, he probably did it. <laughs> um, and that's all I know. But um, I don't think he actually... Uh, yeah, your listeners are now just, like, they're, like, turning off the radio. <laughs> they're burning my books. Um uh, but um, he, he went to jail for like gang related activities so like burglary and drugs and stuff like that there was no I couldn't find any record of him killing somebody and then I talked to these relatives and they're like it's because he was in a Chinese gang and probably got in a fight with another Chinese gang and if there was a death in Chinatown or any other you know neighborhood of color, and you called the police. They basically said, "So, what do you want us to do about it?" 
they didn't prosecute any of that. They right, didn't, like, right, it was, right, did, like, right. They didn't care. And yeah, my one, my dad's, my dad's cousin was like, yeah, like when I was a kid in like the fifties, you could walk down the street and if there was like a dead body in an alley, like the police wouldn't do anything. Like they've just, the, the community would have to go and like get it and yeah. take it to a mortuary or be cremated or, or whatever. It's like, so it's, it, if it did happen, it was just, you know, it was just kind of blown, blown yeah, off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so wow. anyway, those are my crazy family stories. <laughs> and, and we, y'all. we got we got there from baking. Yep. <laughs> just just so you know, um, if you're following the the, the yeah. path here, we got there from baking. Did you? So yeah. once you find out, do you just um, think back to all the times where like he he sets down a whole cooked fish, and you're like, ah, I'm not in the mood for fish. But at the time, you didn't know you were talking to someone. <laughs> That used to cook in prison, right? Yeah. Like, so did you think back to all those times ago? I wonder how close. <laughs> I wonder how close he was to, you know, I don't know. It was a, yeah, my dad was kind of this enigma because he, my dad was, was a really sensitive guy. Like he told me he loved me every day, but he was also kind of scary because mm-hmm. he, uh, he, in addition to being like a cook, he taught martial arts. Um, he taught uh, judo and jujitsu and he was taught with his cousins growing up, and I'm assuming there's probably some prison education in there yep, as well. Yep. But the dad that I knew, my dad, when I was a little kid in grade school, he was teaching self-defense to uh, to state patrol police officers. That was, that was like a side gig. And he got that gig when he got in a fight in Portland. My, my sister was, she turned 16, and we went to Portland to celebrate, get out of town. And then my dad got in this fight with some guys at a gas station. So I have these memories of being like six years old, sitting on the steps of the police station with my mom, waiting for my dad to come out. And then my dad didn't, you know, he, he basically got the job teaching police officers after that dust up. Um, <laughs> they're like, you, you did so good in this. Yeah. Like the whole time you were waiting on the steps there and they're like giving him high fives and like, yeah. I can't believe like the moves that you were doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the story I was told is that he was, there was, it was an incident, incident at a gas station. Two guys were like harassing somebody and my dad said something and then they got in a big fight and, um, and my dad broke one of the guy's legs and one of the guy's arms and then ended up with a, with a side gig teaching police officers to, like, it was just weird. Like my childhood is like watching my dad choke out police officers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool, cool though. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. I mean... But he does seem like an enigma, you know, mm. like he, you, you don't know that about him, but now you can think back and whenever he was like, you kids, I'm going to kill you. You're like, hmm, well, now that, that's, that hits a little bit different now. Right. <laughs> and if I'm putting the timeline to, together, um, you, you know, your, your first book is, is based off of some of these racial tension kind sure. of things, right? Yeah. Of, of, and so like you already kind of know the history, you've gone into this. And then to find out that like your dad whole was was layer. L- l- literally in. I mean, I, of course, like some of that was was I would think drawn from that, you know. But like more so than you thought, and you have this bestseller already existing, and then you find out later. Yeah, like that's so cool that that yeah. those those kind of connections. Wow, that's that's really that. Yeah, that would be the the crazy thing. That'd is be really the, trippy. Like like I started writing, like I'd always been writing, but I started writing these kind of books after my dad died and I was just kind of disconnected from from like what if you lose a parent and you're like 30 you know you're at that age where like in your 20s you're so self-obsessed and you don't yep. care about your, your your parents childhoods and stuff like that 
But once that door was closed, I just it was just like so much regret, all these questions I didn't ask and things yeah. I wanted to know. And so yeah. I, I wrote these books kind of as a way to sort of cathartically explore uh, his childhood, my grandpa's childhood, stuff like that. But the weird thing is my second book, my main character, is a, his name's William Ng, and that's the name my dad went by when he was arrested. Um, his alias. His cool. alias, which was crazy. When I found that out, I'm like, I, the world doesn't make sense to right anymore. because because like mm-hmm. you when you wrote the book you didn't know that I didn't know that <laughs> yeah. I just made up a name right and I know Ing was a family name and I'm like okay and my and my dad was George William Ford and so he had when he was getting arrested he had some different he gave them different names and so he was going by William Ing at the time isn't that crazy oh I just that just hit me that you had already written the book yeah didn't, he'd already didn't written know the book, didn't know of the alias and then, and then like, just happened to you just. Wrote a book alias. based on a, uh, an alias that his dad used to use. Whew, that's kind of creepy. That's you crazy. Know, we should write a book about you writing this book <laughs> and finding this stuff out. Like, there's a book within a book. Yeah, yeah that's a trip. <laughs> yeah, that's um, weird. And so it feels it feels weak, but I want to do it anyway because I think it'd be funny. The second part of that is what kind of cooking do you do? And we got into oh. it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I thought it'd be funny to like totally just yeah. Let's go back to that. Twist it. What kind of what kind of food do you enjoy cooking now? Now you you had mentioned. Um, oh, what, what was the word you used? Like dangerous? Uh, fearless. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. Fearless yeah. cook. Um, yeah, I, I like, I'll, I'll go, I'll go eat somewhere and then I'll just, I'll go home and I'll make a note on my computer and I'll figure out how to cook it, that kind of stuff. So it's like, I went to this one artist retreat and they had a really good chef and they cooked this amazing stuff and I just kept a list. And then when I came home, I tried to figure it all out. Um, some of it was not, I wasn't crazy about, but. Um, yeah, I don't really like, it's not like I only cook Italian or I only cook this or I only cook, you know, grill stuff up. Um, I mean, stuff that I cooked recently, um, I, I cooked a bunch of Indian food. I was just trying to figure out, yeah. um, some different, you know, butter chicken and some, some different ways of cooking rice with like 15 different spices and stuff like that. Um, I made chicken marsala with mushrooms, um, you know, all kinds of pasta. Pasta is kind of easy. Um, and so, so what I'm what I'm kind of gathering yeah. here. All right, you you when we ask like what kind of music you listen to, it really matters like what the lyrics are, mm-hmm. what what the really what the writer went through to get it. And I'm I'm kind of getting that feel with food too. Is like it you kind of want an adventure, you kind of want the realness of it, but then you also want to have a little little level of of your own kind of input in there you know yeah. where, where you're trying to you're discovering really with yeah. all of these things you're kind of discovering but then enjoying the true artistry in those things yeah i mean i like taking a recipe and then dressing it up like okay i don't like this let me add something else that is going to make it more interesting to me yeah um, yeah but sometimes like i'll just find a cookbook that i really like and sometimes it's not like it's a technical cookbook. I just like I just like reading it. And so like when I made those maple bourbon marshmallows, it was in this cookbook where it just kind of had a description. Is these two brothers, and it had like a description of the recipes. So it'd be like, okay, this is what we made, and this was the perfect hangover food, and this is what we made, and this was a good like impromptu dinner party thing. And for the maple bourbon marshmallows, it said. Um, we made this, and when we each took a bite, we collectively lost our shit. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to buy that. Yeah, i gotta, yeah. I got to try that. And, yeah, I took a bite, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, I can't eat a normal marshmallow. Like, the, in, the homemade marshmallows, I don't know if you ever had, like, a, a candy bar, the Idaho Spud. 
Uh-huh. It's yeah. like homemade marshmallows take, taste like the inside of that. Yeah. Where it's really rich and sweet, but, but it was, you know, flavored with bourbon and stuff. It was really, yeah, really interesting. Well, and, and I haven't made marshmallows on my own, but I, weirdly, I've watched a couple of videos on making your own marshmallows. And they, they, like, <laughs> it's not that they, hard. It's, it's not that hard. And they look different, right? Because yeah. you're so used to this stay this puffy thing, yeah. yeah. You know, that's like formed, but it, you get these perfect like dice, squares. right? Like these yeah. squares, enlarged dice without the dots on them. You know, you get these like squares that come out. And yeah, they just look, yeah, more rich, yeah. more flavorful, way, way better. Um, that's what should go on top of your sweet potatoes, which is a question for later. <laughs> yeah. uh, just so you know, I want to yeah. know what you cooked for Thanksgiving. You oh. don't have to go right now. Yeah. But I want I want to know because we did we had our whole last episode was kind of talking about mm-hmm. like what we made and we we even need to talk about that but we'll we'll save that for the next episode okay. of what our comparison of our turkeys and stuff like that but, which was um, fun mm. yeah uh, was food as a kid oh yeah this one's this one's fun what did you want to be when you grew up <laughs> so the so it's going to be cycles again right because you'll mm. you'll remember like kindergarten you wanted to be this and yeah. whatever and so. Um, when I was really like the, the one consistent thing I probably wanted to do is I, I wanted to to, to, to to draw comic books. I wanted to be the next Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko or something like that. I was always kind of an art kid. Um, my dad wanted me to go to art school. My mom wanted me to be a writer. Um, like as a, as a and li- comics are kind of like tying in both. Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. As a little kid, uh, I, I wanted to be a stuntman. <laughs> I remember that. This is when Evil Knievel was really big. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I wanted to jump my bike off of anything. Like, um, yeah, stunts. Being Evil Knievel, that was, that was Al- like, Also a Montana. Yeah, he's, he's from, from Montana. He's, he's from, from Butte. Butte. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I mean, I'm living in Oregon at the time. I, I didn't know, but he was just like this crazy daredevil. Um, so it was like stuntman, um, test pilot. <laughs> um, I it's it's bonkers now in in light of like nine eleven and all that stuff. But when we lived in Oregon when I was a little kid, like it's like grade school, we lived near a community airport, and I could walk over there and walk into the hangars and climb into the planes and sit there and just play. Yeah, yeah. Like they weren't the, the canopies weren't locked. That the hangars were open. Yep. And they had like these covered doors that would roll down in the winter but in the summertime they were just all open and i never realized how strange and illegal and dangerous that was as a, right. as a third grader me and my friends would go and just like you know just climb in people's airplanes and sit there so i was always fascinated with flying i always thought someday maybe i'd get like a, a you know private pilot's license but um yeah that uh the, the people that i knew that became pilots you know, you don't get to go up in the sky and just go where you want. Yeah. Like, here's the flight plan. Yep. Go yep. here, turn yep. left, go there, change your elevation. Unless you live in Alaska. <laughs> then it's a whole other, you know, it's frontier. Um, yeah, you're finding runways, like, as you're coming in. Yeah. You're just like, oh, that looks like a runway, and you get closer. You're like, oh, not a runway. Yep. Gotta find another one. Yeah. I'm going to land on that lake. Yep. Um, we drove to uh, Anchorage when we moved there years ago, and we drove up the Alcan Highway. Now it's all paved, but back then there were stretches of, like, 250 miles that were dirt road. And you'd be in the middle of nowhere, and then you'd, like, you'd see, uh, like, an ultralight on the road. Like, a guy would just pull out of the bush and then, like, <laughs> like fly over the mountains. And, like, 
that seems fun. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. no rules, um, no uh, license. You're just kind of out in the, out in the wilderness. Um, sorry, there was some original question here. What would I want to be when I grew up? Yeah. Um, when I was like in junior high in high school, I wanted to go into like computer science, but uh, that's when you're, I mean, I'm like a little kid thinking I'm just going to make video games and real computer people do real computer things. And so I took a, I took a community college class when I was like 14 when recommended by like a high school counselor. And so I'm in this computer class and everyone's like 40. They were probably only like 25, but I'm like 14. So they look like they're 40 to me. Yeah. And I remember our assignment was to create a program to track hotel occupancy. And I'm like this kid, like this is awful. I yeah, never I like want to do this for a living. <laughs> this is horrible. And I, I dropped out. So I became that rare 14 year old college dropout. Um, and then I went to art school. So yeah. Um, the little kid stuff, definitely stuntman. Living, living on the dangerous test side. pilot. Yeah, yeah, living on the living on the edge. Yeah, um, and then yeah, then the other things are just where my interests lie. Um, yeah, that's all right. Uh, final question, Joe. Final question. What? Okay, so what do you do after you have? Um, so this isn't something you do all the time. <laughs> this is a rare pleasure, a guilty, guilty pleasure that you do when you are celebrating. And it can be, you know, something that you do with people or something that's just your thing. That, you know, $1,000 bottle of scotch that you only bring out after oh. doing a, such a good job at whatever. So what is that guilty pleasure? Yeah, that usually it's just hookers and crack. Mm, like, yeah. Perfect. Me yeah. too. Normal. Normal. <laughs> Normal things. Red light district, whatever yeah. illicit drugs I can find. Yeah. Yep. You said guilty <laughs> pleasure, right? <laughs> um. Oh, well, I don't feel guilty about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make it sound bad the way you put it. Mm-hmm. No, um, shoot. Yeah, like when I, I don't know, when I signed a, it's been different things, like, um, like there was a time where I, you know, I would I would love video games on like the Xbox or some PS3 or whatever, but I can't play them because it just sucks up too much of my life. Oh so yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I, I turn in a book, it gets accepted. Okay, I'm gonna buy some game and I'll just like play nonstop for two weeks or something like that. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm kind of like, you know, you you for me anyway, I hit a certain age where I'm just like it just has no interest to me anymore. Like. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm, I'm playing some Xbox game and getting my ass kicked by from a 12-year-old in the Netherlands or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> it's like, uh, you suck in, you know, six different languages. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, for one of my, I got a big contract when I signed it. Um, uh, I bought a really expensive bottle of champagne and a really expensive cigar. Mm-hmm. And I don't really... I'm not really into either one, but it, but <laughs> yeah. it seemed like something you do. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah I like smoke the cigar. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. And I don't like I, this. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I'd rather have just some cheap scotch. Yeah. Um, and so I tried, like, I'm like, I, I'm trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's probably just, just chill with friends. Like, okay, now I can go, go hiking somewhere mm-hmm. and just, and just not stress about a deadline. Like mm-hmm. I can go and, and if, and if we, get back a day later who cares like mm-hmm. kind of thing um 
or I'll go someplace and I'll just go dig into something that's really interesting to me, but it just would just be totally weird for somebody else. So like yeah. what I really want to do is uh, go to Tonopah, Nevada, where my great grandfather uh, is is buried. And his his home that he lived in, like in 1905, is still there. It's like this shack, mm-hmm. and it's a town of like you know 3,000 people in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of want to go wander around that town. Yeah, and that's super personal. Anyone else be like, why don't you go to Hawaii or go do something fun? I'm like, uh-huh. that is fun for me. I'll go, mm-hmm. you know, eat at some really weird, scary truck stops, and yeah, um, just kind of you know get out there and explore a little bit with no pre-planned agenda just kind of walk cool. around yeah I, I i resonate with that i would say i don't like planned things yeah. and i would like i love going to places and just experiencing the town and not sometimes i won't google sometimes you google like okay what's a good place to eat you know what does other people think but i just love asking the gas station people yeah. like where do you yeah. eat yeah where or if you go into a medical marijuana dispensary that's where you ask where do you eat <laughs> where, do, where do you guys go and then they'll give you like the best place or the or as they will tell you the most bomb places yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah. this place is the most bomb place and so, yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm the same way. When I went to Ireland, I no plan, just walking around. Yeah. Just, I showed up at a book club, even there. I don't, and I'm not in book clubs. I just randomly show up to them, and I want to hear what's going on, and I'm interested. Oh, uh, what are we doing? Swedish noir, neat. Okay, yeah. what is that about? Okay, yeah, yeah. You, you ask the Uber driver, like, where do you go? Yeah, you Uber driver yeah. knows yeah. everything and about like, this okay, town. You don't go here. You go there. It's a total dive. But mm-hmm. this is what you order that kind of stuff how to avoid the tourist traps because we don't want the tourist traps which which a lot of the people that are like writing the google reviews they're trying to go to the tourist traps to try Mm -hmm. to gain more traction you know Mm -hmm. and so you you run into all of that when you're just googling but when you're asking like the real people that live there they know Mm -hmm. and they know sue who's going to make you know the best fried chicken or you know whatever it might be when the good cook is working Yep. yep. Oh, yep. it's Thursday night. Tim's working. Yeah, you can go over there. That'd be yeah, fine. because I mean, when we think back to our little Bozeman trip a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we used Google to find a sushi place, the place didn't even serve sushi. But it, it said it came ja- up in the search. It literally surge. said Japanese soul food on the window, and I was like, "There's got to be sushi in here." There's a sushi bar in there. There was a like legit sushi bar. I don't remember the name of you restaurant, but shame on you. Shikanako. I can't even remember. It sounded like sushi. Oh, Good pork yeah. butt, but the rest, I didn't want pork butt is the no, thing. No, I didn't want bird tins. No, nope. <laughs> yeah. is that what happened? Yeah. Well, that's what happened. Yeah. Okay, that, that okay. concludes that concludes our 10 questions. Oh, it's got to turn. Yeah. Nice work. There we go. Yep, the, the live studio audience approves. Yes. I one day, oh, you know what? I was just thinking that we got to get to um, the Kellergeist. That it just like it hit me like in the middle. I like woke up and I was like, ah, we plan to do live stuff at the Kellergeist podcast. And you know, sometimes these projects just fall out of my. So I've thought about it a few times, but your your band's playing there now, mm-hmm. and and I didn't want to. Well, this Saturday, right? And and so I didn't want to like like that needs to get off the ground. You know what I mean? And like, like be a good thing. And so I didn't want to like bring it up again because I wanted your band to like have that space. You know oh, no I mean? worries. I mean, have you seen the commercials we're doing for the band? I mm-hmm. mean, there's, I mean, we don't, we don't need any help. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> we're just nailing those things. I want to, I want to go back to the question I told you was coming, but what did you, what did you make for Thanksgiving? Aha. Uh-huh. Um, kind of the normal stuff. Like I, I actually, I wanted to cook 
completely non-traditional stuff. I don't know, just make a bunch of weird stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, my family's like, no, please don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. So please just give us the classics. Um, so yeah, just uh, turkey, uh, apple sausage stuffing, uh, kind of a southern sweet potatoes thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, green bean casserole. The one thing that we that I that I made one year that everyone loved that just now I always make for holiday meals as kind of a side are uh, Korean short ribs, like Calvi ribs. And the, and it makes it doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit with anything else. But I made them one year because we had a ton of people over. I just needed extras. So I made a bunch of extra yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And people loved it so much. Um, and you have to, you know, they're, they're flank and cut ribs. So they have to be cut really thin. And I could never get them cut right. Um, Cause I would go like Smith's to the butcher shop and I'm like, can you cut these? So I went to a Korean restaurant like in Seattle or someplace and I ordered them and I, and I kept a bone and I washed <laughs> it off. I kept the bone in my wallet for like a year. So when I went back to Smith's, I'm like, okay, can you cut it this thin? And I'm uh-huh. showing them the bone and they still couldn't do it. They oh still did it like, come on guys. Yeah. Cause if it's like twice that thick, then it's more like a steak and yeah. then the marinade doesn't get all the way through. It doesn't get real tender. Mm-hmm. But now we have, the, you know, the butcher shop on Central. Oh, yeah, the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, Central Avenue Meats. They yeah. know what they're doing. Oh, yeah, cool. as soon as I walked in, it's, that's where I always go. I'm like, okay, can I? And they're like, they know exactly. They bring it out. They slice them up. Yeah, they, they do it perfectly. Yeah, so, so highly so, recommend that place. Yeah, I was going to say, those guys I, know what I highly doing. recommend it as well. What's their I, name? Uh, Central Avenue Meats. Central, Central Avenue, Avenue Meats. Meats. Okay, Central cool. Avenue yeah. Meats. I, the first time I went in there, and I, kind of how I... Uh, judge uh, <laughs> a butcher shop, right? Yeah. And you, you you look at what they have, and you just kind of see, and you're like, okay, you can kind of get this. Um, do you have any bones or fat? And I know that sounds weird, Mm-mm. but I want to know if they have bones or fat. And I wanted to do a, a, a beef broth, uh, just homemade beef broth, bone broth, and uh, and they they had hundreds of pounds, like like they had so much, so much. And I was like, okay, uh, what about pork fat? Because I usually mix that in when I'm making my own sausage from mm-hmm. game meat. And they're like, oh, yeah. Do you? And they actually had like choices. If you go to any other butcher shop, they're like, yeah, here it is. And they hand it to you in like maybe like a frozen bag or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, um, and so definitely the place to go. I, I do a lot of my meat. I, I get myself, you know, deer, uh-huh. elk, you know, whatever. Um, but if I, if I was to buy beef or any uh, anything else it would be central you, you central process avenues. it yourself or you mm-hmm. take yeah yeah because then you need even like ground beef can be too lean you gotta like mm-hmm. like the roadhouse diner um which i love jason and tara are friends and, yep. and mm-hmm. we i knew they were working on the jason was like kind of this food mad scientist for like a year and a half before they opened he was just mm-hmm. like trying to perfect the grind like okay i'm gonna grind this kind of meat and i have to add this much fat to get this kind of consistency and like um yeah, there's like a, it's not just like, give me a nice hunk of meat and just grind it up or turn it into sausage. Like, you got to yeah. put some cool stuff in there. And yeah, Central Avenue Meats, they, <laughs> that place is totally legit. Super yeah. happy with that place. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and uh, we, we were going to have, we're still trying with Roadhouse. They're, they're just so busy. Um, oh, yeah. yeah we're right. going to try to get them on the <clears throat> podcast. But, um, oh, they're cool. Man, people. they're so busy. Yeah, they're so busy. And so it's just, uh, it's just kind of been a, Yep. a hit and miss kind of thing we've had a couple yeah. times scheduled and, and things like that but they the the mad scientist thing I, I love when somebody puts so much passion and so I love talking to um, an author that that is passionate about what they've done I love talking to a cook that that is passionate you know not somebody that said okay what does Great Falls need 
I'm going to fill that niche. And they just kind of like cookie cutter, whatever, yeah. you know, do that. I like somebody that's like, I don't care what Great Falls needs. I'm going to do what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so like uh, smoked barbecue over yeah. here. Oh my goodness, they're so good. And so Man, there's good. just places that mm-hmm. you can taste it in the food. It's it's not coming off the Cisco truck. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like right. They're, 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 they know there's a little extra love that goes into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I went to um, Great Harvest Bread. And I said, hey, I heard that you guys made the, the buns mm-hmm. up at Roadhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. can, I, can I buy some of those buns? And they go, no. No, get out of here. You cannot Scoundrel. buy any of those buns. There's only two places. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I've, I've eaten. I've, I, love, I love them. And they go, we have one that's close. Hmm. But we did the recipe specifically, and yeah. we're like contractually, like we're not making this anywhere else. It's specifically for them. Mm-hmm. I love that too. Yeah. Even though I couldn't get the buns myself, I was mm-hmm. a little like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I want the buns. I kind of like that too. You, that, like that. you put so much yeah. into this that like you can't even get the buns anywhere. Like yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, I do. Uh, you, you have an amazingly interesting life. Mm. And I, I love that. Um, it, it's almost like it's, it, being a writer and stuff. Yeah, because it's so weird. Because people are like, "That's a really cool life," and I'm like, "I'm just in my sweats, twenty <laughs> hours a day, staring at a computer. Like it's so unsexy. Um, the reality is not as cool as it sounds. Um, but uh, but yeah, please continue. <laughs> well, well, what I've what I've gathered actually is that you you appreciate music, you appreciate hunting, you appreciate. Mostly just the, the artistry and then the, the creation of, of, of things and, and just appreciating that. And that's a very good mix between Joe and I. Mm. Um, we've, we've literally partnered up because of our differences and similarities. Like we're both vets, but he likes music. I like the outdoors. Not that we don't enjoy each other's sure. passions, but you know, there's certain things that we're passionate about. And so I like having you here because we could literally go down any trail we wanted to mm-hmm. and, and we'd be able to talk for hours yeah um but but the thing that that intrigues me the most i have a my cousin who uh when we went down to bozeman he lives in bozeman he uh he's a writer Mm -hmm. and he's talked to me a little bit about how difficult it is now to get published and he's done a lot of self-publishing and it's hard and different things like that and so i I just want to know like we kind of discussed how it started but like do you, do you have like a regimen and you said 20 hours a day in my sweats in front of a computer, but like, like what, before you, you wrote a book and, and then found an agent, like what was your regimen? Like, mm. cause you, you, you were even talking about kind of like part time, like you have this full time job, part time. This was your, your outlet. Mm-hmm. When did you finally just say, I'm going to write a book. And then what were the steps that then got you a book? Um, I was at Went Advertising, and I was hating life, um, mainly because, like, eh, that's kind of like a young person's business, and I sound like an old dude saying that, but you, you get, like, kids that are, like, mm-hmm. right out of college, and they will work 80 hours a week, Yeah, and oh, yeah. that was me, and then once I was no longer a kid, I'm like, I don't know if I want to, I mean, I can't, I don't want to, I don't love it enough to do that for the rest of my life, and I met some people that were in that industry a bit older than me and they were so burned out and jaded and grizzled and angry and I'm like I don't want to be that like that's probably where I'm going to end up and I don't want to be that and then at the <laughs> time the, the accounts that we were working on 
were just awful. We had um, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Uh-huh. Uh, don't spare anyone's feelings. Yeah, yeah just bare your soul here. God, that, well, <laughs> like, like I didn't know. There, there are some clients that you really like them, and they're great people. And then there are some clients that basically we were referred to as pigs with checkbooks. Like they're just not nice people. And they just pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. And you, you just you tolerate their presence, and they they're just they're just people that you wouldn't hang out with in a social circumstance. You wouldn't you wouldn't patronize their business, and um, and so we had some clients like that. And I mean, you know, one was a big exec in, in Helena, then he got drummed out of his company under really bad circumstances. And so it's, it kind of validates like, okay, it's not not us that person really wasn't that, <laughs> that toxic but then it was just we had like some clients that were like medic medicare clients where we had to follow all these rules so no matter what we do you have a disclaimer that's like half the ad or half the tv commercial it was just it was just it was just like as uncreative as you could possibly do and you're just there was this thing of like someone said to me someone that was like a, a mentor to me he had this like triangle and it was like his philosophy on on business and it was like on the, the the three corners of the triangle one was like make money do cool work and have fun mm-hmm. if you can get any two in combination you can be pretty satisfied but if you only get one you're going to want to just shoot yourself in the head yeah because yeah. it's just not enough just to make money or just to do cool work but not be able to pay the bills and you know that kind of stuff yeah and i was just i was bouncing between just one those uh, areas and it was just not sustainable so I just I wasn't enjoying work enough and I had, I came to Montana kind of thinking I would try to write more because mm-hmm. I would I didn't have a commute here like I did in Hawaii and I I just just better quality of life I could carve out some time and I started writing at a time um, when people are sharing stuff on the internet and there's some like online Contests, and I started winning some small online contests. And uh, this woman, uh, who I, uh, her name's Jen Petty, um, she emailed me out of the blue. It was like 2005, and she said, "You know, my husband is a award-winning writer, um, and I read lots of stuff. And I saw your stuff online, and it's like really good. And like, what are you doing? You're like slumming around in these weird." online <laughs> venues yeah, yeah. he's like you should go to this conference or this conference these ones where you have to submit work to get in and then you'll really figure it out from there and and it was like this validation from this person I'd never met yeah came at the right time and I applied to this conference and I got in and then from there I met someone who really liked my work and encouraged me and and I just had just kind of these moments these touch stone moments of validation like you're doing good that kind of was the encouragement I needed to keep going. And eventually I did a, Jen and her husband are in Kentucky. I did an event in Kentucky and was able to bring them in as my guests and meet them and hang with them. It was super cool. But it was just like random kindness that really got it going. I mean, maybe I would have got there without her encouragement, but it was, it was perfect. And kind of, I tried to write and I didn't really have enough. I hadn't been kicked around by life enough to have anything writing about mm. once I lost my mm-hmm. parents then I'm like I had like this well of emotional stuff to process right, right, and then right. my book started to have a, a vibrancy because it was coming from a an informed emotional point of view if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, 
that's a really long answer. I, I sort of babble and I forget what the question was. No, 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 it's okay. No, it, it, it brings us. It brings us right there. And so, and so, you get this encouragement. You go to these conferences, and then did you did you just say were you working on ten books oh. at the same time, or did you go no this this is the book. And now I'm going to spend X amount of hours oh. a day. Like, like, did you quit your job first? Or did yeah. you write the book while you were still working? It was, it was really close. What happened in, in 2006, um, even at, at Wynn, they knew I was spending some of my vacation time going to writer's conferences and stuff. I don't think anyone there thought I could ever figure it out. And that's, that's fine. I'm, you know, why would they? Um, and the people I worked with were super nice. It was just, it was kind of a... It was at a time when the agency business was transitioning into a pure internet internet model, mm-hmm. and instead of doing TV commercials, we're now doing like you know a database driven banner ad or something like that. Mm-hmm. This wasn't really wasn't satisfying creatively, but um, I I had never written anything historical, and it wasn't until I lost my parents I started splashing around. And sorry, I keep that's me just banging on the microphone. <laughs> that's me just an acoustic uh, percussive moment. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I talk with my hands and I keep just slapping this microphone. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I wrote a short story at this conference in Virginia um, and everyone kind of liked it. And um, then I went to this other conference and I, I met with an editor there and he really liked it. And he said, he, he, he literally said, and I quote, if I were you, I would quit my job and write this book as fast as you can. And I was like, have another glass of wine, dude, because I ain't quit my job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Slow yeah. down. And I, I didn't quit my job, but I, I went home and um, I was, you know, I was really into football. And I, I like the, the 2006 football season, I just, I didn't watch any, like I lo- loved college football. I didn't watch any football. I just wrote my brains out for about three months. And then that became the book that's on the table across from us. Um, and so that started as a short story. Started as a short story. Um, he thought it would be a good book. Um, I just went for it. I didn't think it would take off and do what it did um, because it's it's published in like thirty five languages now, which is just bonkers. Cool. It's like it, I get like fan mail from people like in Turkey or Brazil or Israel or. Italy and Norway and stuff like that. And you're like Google translating, <laughs> like the emails from, or they've Google translated, they, yeah, or, and you can. Or, or, oddly enough, I mean, they probably they speak. Like I, I did two book tours in Norway, and everyone there speaks beautiful English. Yeah. So beautiful too, isn't it? It's like re- so correct. Their grammar yeah. is like perfect. Yeah. And and it's they're like, yeah, I read this book and I read it in Russian, and then I read this book in Flemish. Like they're, it yeah. makes me feel like. And ignorant slug because I speak, <laughs> you know, barely one language. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. 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 Um, but that kind of um, that book again. That, yeah, that book. That book took off. Um, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Like the new book that comes out next year feels like what I'm capable of. And the first three books feel kind of like my training wheels books, where I'm like. Okay. They're pretty okay. simple yeah. in how they're put together. And now I feel like I'm kicking those off and I'm really trying to do something weird and ambitious. Um, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be another uh, fiction book? Of- yeah. It's, um, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic about the new book. Um, they're, I'm with Simon & Schuster. I switched publishers from Random House to Simon & Schuster. Um, 
I did not get along well with my last editor. Um, yeah, it was just weird. We were just... Um, I had the same editor for my first two books, and then my editor was pushed out in this merger between Penguin and Random House. And so they gave me this editor. It's like my step-editor. Um, <laughs> just super nice. I mean, just technically just a brilliant editor. But we just didn't click. And it was kind of like, uh, back to the football metaphor, like another coach drafted me, and then she inherited me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, just yeah, stuck yeah. with me. And I wasn't her player. And, she, and, it, and it showed. Like, she just... Yeah, it was weird. So I... Like, we went two years and never had a conversation. Like, I would email her, and then she would respond through my agent. Like, she wouldn't talk to me. Like, it was, it was very clear uh, she wanted me to just pack up my bummer. suitcase and uh. head down the road. So, yeah, I went to this other publisher, and then it, this book seems to be blowing up for them. And, um, cool. They're excited. And this is uh, The Many Daughters? Yeah, The Many Daughters at Afang Moy. Um, it's become guess what is known as their lead read and so most publishers will have like one book that their sales force votes on their sales force reads all the book that they're pitching mm-hmm. to their accounts but they they voted this one their their main book that they're gonna push cool um, so they send me to do a whole bunch of like pre-launch publicity and stuff so it's it's um yeah fingers crossed it's it's i'm i'm cautiously optimistic it's weird. It's exciting. And I mean, cautious, cautiously exciting. And so this is, but this is with a new editor. New editor, new publisher, things new are team. Feeling, things are feeling good. Um, yeah, I love, I love my new editor because she's just like a real person. Mm, does she talk uh, to you? Like actually like, talks to you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my, my previous editor, she was fantastic, like a technically brilliant editor, but I could never get a read on her. So she could win mm-hmm. the Powerball or like her puppy could be, run over by a car and I couldn't tell the difference in her her you know her expression she's kind of giving, giving you a poker face no matter yeah, what yeah. just like oh that's exciting and so, this, so my new exciting. editor like I was you know everyone in the publishing world they're still kind of working at home mm-hmm. and they realize like we don't need to work in a big building in New York City we can all work from home um, and yeah I was, we were on the phone talking about something and she's like Hold on, hold on! I gotta go. My daughter's running around the front yard with a raw piece of chicken. Like, has yeah. nothing to do with the raw chicken I ate in Japan, but it was like, like, okay, this is a real person that can talk about her crazy life, yeah, and yeah. and I can actually get to know who this person is, mm-hmm. which I feel much more comfortable working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm. And so as as that process goes along, um, I'm, I guess I'm just yeah because I don't ask, know, and so ask. so like you're writing like a a section or a chapter at a time, submitting it to her as she's chasing her daughter with raw chicken. Yeah. And then, then she comes back and like, do you get this, um, <laughs> for, for uh, as simple as I can make it, a Word document, right, mm-hmm. back that, that's highlighted and says, can you add more here? I put a comma here. This is, can you switch these two paragraphs? Like what kind of like. That's exactly is, it. That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah. That's how I picture it. Yeah. And then, and then you then, when you read these, it's hard to take criticism um, for most people. <laughs> right. But, but I'm sure some of them you can read and you go, oh, I should have had a comma there. Dang it. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then other ones you're like, okay, that's changing my artistic, like, mm-hmm. no, you know? And so how does that conversation, cause I can't imagine with somebody that you can't read and, and won't re- email you back. Like that yeah. would be difficult. But with her, you know, how does that go? With, with my first editor, with my current editor, it was great because they, they both, I think 
you know, somewhere in editor school, they, they teach them that some authors are just super, <laughs> have fragile egos. And if you say <laughs> the wrong thing, they're going to yeah. go on a five-day drunken bender and wake up behind a dumpster. Yeah, like, yeah. Like they, they're almost too much of like a shrink and that they, they couch everything in, in just the right amount of praise so that there's enough sugar so that when the, the medicine comes, you don't taste it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were both really good at that. They're, they're, they're often, like I, I have a pretty thick skin, so they can give me just like, this sucks, I don't get it. I can take that. Um, but uh, after the bender, of course, after the bender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 It's tradition. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, I mean, the way it worked with, uh, with this book was I wrote about 85 pages and then my agent pitched that with the synopsis to a bunch of, a bunch of publishers and, and they, there ended up being an auction. So there was enough interest that there were seven companies bidding on it. And that's like, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> that yes, doesn't yes, always yes. happen. And so that was a good sign that I ended up with this new, this new contract, this new editor, that they were pretty excited. And then I gave her a rough manuscript, and she marked it up and had some various thoughts. But um, ultimately, you know, my name's on the cover. And, so, and she will say that. Like, here's what I really think you should do. But if you don't, you know, it's your book. you got to make oh, that call. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and so she's yeah. really good about that. But I also... I really do listen to her because mm-hmm. she's got a fresh set of eyes. She knows I'm so close to it. She can step back and, and see it from a, a, a big picture point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And I and she's she's edited some you know some really good books. So I I trust what she's doing. But I also I kind of know her, and so I know where her opinions are coming from. Whereas this other editor, it just seemed like random criticism <laughs> without. Merit. And sometimes yeah, it was like, yeah. it came across as very New Yorker based mm. and I'm a West coast kid and I don't care. I don't care. Like there's like this Brooklyn click of authors. I don't care. I don't, they're, they're all comp- competing with each other. I, I don't care. I don't, I'm, I don't live in that world. I don't care what they think of me. I don't, I, I don't stress if they win an award and I didn't, I just, it's like, it's like a club I have no interest in being a part of. Right. Um, and my editor, I think, was kind of reflective of that world. And it, it, it offended me. Like, she would be like, why do you mention this street or this lake or this business? Because no one knows what that is. And I'm like, you're in, you're in fucking New York City, and that's all that matters to you. Yeah. Like, if yeah. it's not the Chelsea Hotel, nobody cares. Like, like if I mention this hotel... She's like, no one knows who that is. And like, there's a, a, millions of people know that know what that is. You just, mm-hmm. you don't. That's yeah. why it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I heard Jim Harrison, who was, he passed away a few years ago, and he's based in Montana, that his editor did the same thing. Like, why do you say Gallatin River? Just say river. And he's like, because uh-huh. it's the Gallatin River. Right. And it matters yeah. to people. Right, it absolutely and, matters. Yeah, and so I, I fought a lot of those battles with my previous editor. Like, why do you do this? I'm like, because ah, it's there. That's, mm-hmm. it's reality. And my new editor, she doesn't do any of that. She just like, I'm trusting you're putting these details in because they matter. And, mm-hmm. um, and she looks at big picture stuff and she does it really well. So I, and. Um, it's really interesting that you would send. So you send chapter by chapter now. No, say, what do you got? Or No, no? I, 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 I sent her like the book I'm working on now. Like I won't send it to her till it's probably, I'll probably send her half of it. 
again. Okay. But some some authors are like, here's a chapter by chapter. Uh, some are like, you don't see it until it's done. And gotcha. I'm kind of like that, <clears throat> where I'm like, I'd rather not be partially pregnant. Gotcha. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll get it when it's done. Like, otherwise, you're like, because some authors or some editors are like, it's eggs, it's flour, it's sugar, and they can't see that it's cake. Yeah, yeah. Kind of gotcha. yeah. And then they're like, why do you have so many eggs? I'm like, because don't see the big picture yet mm -hmm. kind of thing, so. that's so interesting i just you mentioned the chelsea hotel and um which been, i love I, I mean i've stayed there but it's like it's, it's, i don't i don't live there and right and yeah. i've never heard of it like i'm from the west coast i've never heard of the chelsea hotel however <clears throat> um since i've been going through like the same sort of editing thing with my fellow um studio recording people so i'm trying to get better at recording and i'm just in it all day and then i'll get to a point where i can't hear it anymore and i need someone else to listen to <laughs> exactly. it and so that's just interesting and that the Another just a just happened to be a weird thing is that the last song <clears throat> that I sent to my two friends was called Chelsea Hotel by <laughs> Leonard Cohen. So Chelsea Hotel number two, Leonard Cohen, great song. And I was just like, whoa, that's so that happened yesterday, and now here I am doing a podcast. And you mentioned even offhand the Chelsea Hotel yeah. as a hey, everyone kind of knows this one. And I'm like, I never heard of it, but it's a great song. You ever heard that one? You got to listen to that song if you like Troubadour stuff. Ugh, Leonard Cohen, Chelsea Hotel number two. Anyways, tangent. I love yeah. it. But um, I, I don't know why, but we're all we're all linking up here for some reason. The universe wants us to have this conversation. I'm just noticing it, so let's uh, notice that together. Shall oh, it's we? been going on for a while, Joe. I just you're, you're behind. I've been <laughs> noticing it the whole time, but yeah. I'm just that one was weird. Yeah, because <laughs> I could pull out my phone and show you the little Chelsea Hotel thing that I sent, and like it was yeah. with hours ago. So, anyways, go ahead. So, so um, do you run into things now? Because we were. I'm trying to say this unoffensively, but we we're in a we're in as offensively as possible. We're in a woke culture, right? oh sure, yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know we're in a woke yeah. culture, and so I'm imagining that that some of that may play if you want to mm. write a real book and bring in real emotion. There's mm. words and phrases and things that that you could have, and mm -hmm. I'm not like. Um, I'm trying to pick one that's, but no matter what I pick right now, it's going to be offensive. But, um, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, uh, fag was mm -hmm. a cigarette or gay was happy. Mm -hmm. um, and so sure. if you're trying to even do like a, 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 a piece that's based in those times, <laughs> using mm. those words might be things they ask you to cut out now, right? Even though that's something somebody would have said and it's not even related to what is now negatively. So do you run into any of those kind of hurdles that the, the way culture is kind of changing the way you're writing or are you just like? Yeah, I get it from both sides. Um, from the publishing industry, there are people within the publishing industry that want, what do they call them? Uh, sensitivity readers. They want to assign a sensitivity reader to read it and make sure there's nothing that's going to like offend people, offend people. Or, or be yeah. inauthentic to mm. people who represent that authenticity. Um, most authors I know do not like the idea of sensitivity readers. I think that's just, that's alien. Like as an author, you are the ultimate sensitivity person. Like you're, you're inhabiting an alien's mind or a trans person's mind or you know whatever you're you, mm -hmm. you have to be fairly emotive to do that well and if you can't do it someone if you need someone to to check it for you you shouldn't be doing it right <laughs> like right, you're, right you're gonna get it wrong i really think as a writer you can write anything you want about anything but if you do it poorly you'll pay a price and you know that's the risk you run um, and then on the other side, there are people that like, like in that book right there, uh, Hotel, 
Someone found something in there that was offensive to left-handed people. <laughs> yes, that was my reaction too. I was like, you're fucking with me. You're joking. You are joking. No, she was, her husband went to a private school when he was, and these are people probably in their 80s, and he was left-handed and they tied his hand behind his back and made him learn to write right-handed and this was very offensive to left-handed people. And I was like, that's really tragic and I don't care. Like, sorry, I'm sorry, right, that's, right. that's your thing. And I can't write a book that will be inoffensive to 100% of the people. So if I offend the right. one person that's left-handed and had a bad left-handed experience, I'm sorry. I didn't, obviously, I did not wake up and write this book thinking, how can I fuck up left-handed people's days today? Yeah, how, how, can yeah, I, yeah. how can I do that? I didn't do it on purpose. Um, I did it uh, because it was, a lot of times, like, um, if you write a book and you have, you know, racial slurs, um, if it's part of the context, of the historical context, that's, for me, that it's weird not to speak the, the contextual language of the time. I mean, mm -hmm. don't do it for mm -hmm. shock value or to offend people, but, like, uh, you well, know, it, I, I have the N-word in that book, and it's, it's used as a slur by a person who would use it as a slur in 1942. Right, that, right. It's... Contextually, it makes sense, and it's not done in a celebratory way. It's you obviously read it and like, okay, yeah, people are douchebags back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I, you know, I can only be as authentic as as, as what I know. Um, one thing that I like, um, if if there is kind of a vibe of like everyone should stay in their own lanes and only write what you know, mm -hmm. and there's safety in that. That's also like if you can write something from the point of view of someone that is so different from you and you do it mm -hmm. so well that people of that community love it and celebrate it, then you've performed this incredible act of empathy. And I think that should be celebrated as well. Oh, yeah. So it's like, if you, like my second book has a female point of view and you know, my name's Jamie. I would walk into these interview settings and they're like, you're a dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. They're like, you write women so well. And I'm like, okay yeah i mean yeah like i try to that's the mission is to like not to convince someone i'm i'm a female writer but to try to tell the story really well mm -hmm. um and sometimes especially <laughs> there's it just came out recently there's always like a a bad sex award in the book world mm -hmm. that they give up away to like the worst sex writing ever and it's always a guy trying to write like about a female orgasm or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's done so poorly. Mm -hmm. You're just like, yeah, don't, you should not write that. You should <laughs> actually read a few books or, you know, consult some people. You should uh, actually plagiarize. We're going to, yeah. that's going to be fine for you. Yeah, you need some help. Um, go back to seventh grade health class and start over. Um, and so when you get it right, I think it's cool. If you get it wrong, it kind of sucks. There's, there's a book that came out like two years ago it's called american dirt huge mega bestseller big oprah book the author um it's it's a border book so it's written about uh, kind of a you know uh people from honduras and mexico crossing over into america sorry i keep hitting that microphone oh, you're, you're sorry guys good. yeah um and the person who wrote it is not mexican and she kind of rebranded herself as a Latina because her grandmother was Puerto Rican. And like, 
Mexicans and Puerto Ricans, not the same. And and she really got beat up in the you know, Latino community because she's not authentic. And she was, it's not that she's not authentic, she was kind of, and maybe it was her, or maybe it was the publicity people, they were kind of rebranding her as. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's, that's a whole, that's worthy of a discussion of like, what's right and what's wrong and what's, what's bad yeah. about that. And when people ask me like, how do you feel about that? I'm like, I go to food. I'm like, what did this author eat on holidays? If it was menudo and it was tamales, cool, do it. If it was not, then don't pretend like it was. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and so that, I think that's the, that's the whole thing you're kind of getting at. Like, it takes a unique author to, to write from the perspective of a, as a man, a woman, sure. or as uh, an American, as a Mexican. But at no point, just to sell a few more books, should that American pretend to be yeah. Mexican or the man, you know, pretend that they're going through a transition and that's why, or, you know, anything yeah. like that. But it, it just, it like, and I think you can, you can hear that in it uh, in, in, when, when you're reading, like, like the authenticity behind it. If you're just throwing out the N-word for shock value, like, you can kind of read that in that. But if it's in context, then, you know, people, yeah, 80 90% of people are just going to understand and other people, they're going to get offended no matter what, yeah. just like the left-handed person. Like, like yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter what you do. Like, like somebody's no going to get offended. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there are people that have, there are truly marginalized people who come from a, a history of marginalized people mm-hmm. and I, they have every right to be furious and angry and want their stories told by yeah. their voices. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think left-handed people's, I don't think that's a, a representative group that's truly been oppressed compared yeah. to other people in our country. Right. We, we don't care about you, left-handers. <laughs> Bring on the hate mail. Yeah, it's I'm like, fine. left-handed people... I won't be able to read it. Yeah, statistically, we're, we're really good at lots of things. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. You know, it kind of reminds me of music. Um, the way that... Uh, so, like, I love blues music, mm-hmm. but that's traditionally black music. Yeah. You know, they, they made it. And yeah. so... I, while I love playing it, I love celebrating it. <laughs> I don't know that I would change my name to Blind Joe Ryan and try to do a blues album. And I, I know other people do it, and I, I like their music when yeah. white guys are doing it. But for it's, me, it's not Kingfisher Ryan. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a good one though. Let me write that down. Um, but I, yeah, there's but and it's a case case by case basis. You know, like well, what is what is the intent with this performer? Yeah. Were they really trying to steal it and make it their own? Are they just trying to make money? You know what? What is the context here? You, you know, you look at at Kid Rock and no, I'm doing it. You're doing yeah, it. You're doing it. Hold on. Yeah. That's me. Boom. There there we go. Now we've there all we go. done it. Now, now we've we're all, all done it. Mike Tapper. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. You take, take Kid Rock and Eminem. Like, yeah, they're both. Uh, they're 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 <clears throat> basically white people doing black music, traditionally mm-hmm. black hip hop, and uh, Eminem grew up super plain white trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the 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 drug addicted mom in a trailer. And so he's speaking from a very ground level, uh, area of pain mm-hmm. and trauma. Whereas kid rock, his dad was a successful multimillionaire car dealer <laughs> and he grew up in like a mansion yeah. and then tells people he's from the trailer. Like, yeah. Okay. One is one isn't, I like both their music just fine, but it's like one is comes from an, an authentic place and the other one mm-hmm. is very much manufactured. Well, and it's almost as mm-hmm. if you enjoy the music that way too, right? Like like both both of them, I enjoy their music as well. Um, but like when I'm listening to Kid Rock, I'm not, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm in a different mood than when yeah. I'm listening yeah. to Eminem. And when you watch like uh, 
an interview or something with Kid Rock, like it's all silly and drunk and you know Southern or you know whatever. Uh, but with Eminem, like like that dude, he's still angry. <laughs> like he's yeah, he's still angry. He's not. Maybe maybe now he is, but like he, he didn't do it for the money. You know, like like he just wanted to overcome an obstacle, which um, that culture that he grew up in, not typically with that skin color, but that culture that yeah. he grew up in, like that that's a big deal to just come out of it. Right. Um, and the, the, I've talked about this before in the podcast, but like the, the lyrics and the way that he's able to, to, to use the, the tone and inflection in his voice to make something rhyme that none of us would have thought, you know, right. would rhyme, you know, th- those, mm-hmm. there's a different appreciation than like, just like getting yeah. drunk and listening to Kid Rock, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's just a total different, different yeah. thing. Yeah, he's kind of a breakthrough talent, so much so that like, like when Dr. Dre first heard his demo, he thought he was a black kid. Right. He's like, and then he produced him and then he sort of has that, that seal of approval from the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like Mac Miller didn't have that approval. He was seen very much as this kind of like tag along. And I like Mac Miller a lot. I, I sat next to him on a plane one time. Whoa. Uh, which oh, was, which was, yeah, he was super, super nice guy. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he would, he would do these interviews and, and people would ask him like, you know, can you picture this rapper listening to your music at home? And it puts him in a very situation like he has to kind of say, yeah, no, my, like, like white people listen to my music. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and I don't like, um, I know I have an unpopular opinion, but I don't, I don't think Eminem is a good rapper. Or I don't like his music. I don't <laughs> like Kid Rock. I don't think he has good music either. So it's all opinion. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's all good stuff. But it, it kind of reminds me, though, what I do respect about Eminem and his story is the really cool and innovative way that Dr. Dre and Eminem decided to market th- that music. Because if you remember back then, he was signed by Dr. Dre, but in the news, they were fighting all of the time. It was, oh, you white person and he was like oh well you black person and there is this this angst and then in other interviews they would go ha yeah we're doing that on purpose we're yeah. just trying to we're just trying to market our thing and so how, how did you, i mean coming from a marketing <laughs> background how did you think about marketing like this first and or second book like what what have you used from your your past that do you think has helped you mm. or if if anything has helped you has it all been the writing and the team around you um, especially with the marketing brain yeah, I d- you know I didn't I didn't write with any big plan. I like I, I just I hoped that if I wrote this, I could get another contract. That was mm-hmm. it. I hoped someone would read it and like it who was not related to me. Yeah, okay, <laughs> like you know, it's not like my sister writing a review. Like I love this book. Yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, my bar for success was super low. Was just. Uh, so you you didn't have like uh, you weren't having marketing meetings with yourself and going okay first I'm gonna do the the Pacific Northwest I'm gonna make these tours and then did that come later on have you or are you invited yeah. to those meetings with the marketing team at uh, Penguin well, or where well what happened was um, uh, th- things would happen along the way with my first book and my my agent would say okay this is not normal. Mm-hmm. This is this points to something good. This oh. is not normal. Okay. And so, like my first meeting at Random House, um, it was just me. Not, and my agent said, "Okay, they're going to just you're you're going to go there and you're going to meet with the marketing people. But it's basically like a hmm. beauty a beauty pageant, and you're the one on display. Okay. Like, they just want to know you're presentable. Okay. Like you're, you're, you have your Tourette <laughs> syndrome under control. <laughs> you know, you're not walking in makes sense. like talking to your you know." invisible spiritual advisor uh-huh. um and so i they walked me from the 
elevator to a conference room of like 14 people and they like put me at the head of the table and it was just like go oh, no. like, <laughs> like talk about your stuff and yeah. I, i'd done enough advertising presentations so i wasn't mm. i wasn't mm. super crowd shy but um and they, they asked me like how would you describe yourself and i was like uh stridently self-deprecating <laughs> like, nice I, i'm confidently not taking myself seriously okay um, i take the work seriously but i don't take myself seriously and then they took me to they would send me to a meeting like a luncheon with all these book review editors and it's kind of like speed dating you go sit at one table and you talk oh. about your stuff and you go to the next table and the next table wow. and so all these things happened um and they were all good signs mm-hmm. um but it wasn't like i sat down and was like okay i'm gonna have, I have this plan i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that mm-hmm. um because i didn't i mm. just was just going with the flow mm-hmm. and um i still i think people are like they try to come up with these viral marketing campaigns and i'm like the original viral component is the book itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you you can't manufacture enough to overcome a terrible book um you just can't like you, you can you can sustain it for one week mm-hmm. and then it's gone so like snooky becomes a bestseller because they buy their publisher buys all these like areas of placement at bookstores. So if you go in Barnes and Noble, there's like mm-hmm. a octagon with all these books on display. That's mm-hmm. all paid placement. Oh. And so they can buy these spots that will move enough books so they can they can kind of trigger some sort of bestseller status. And politicians do this. There's specific uh, PR firms that will just buy a politician's own book. Huh. So they'll be like, I'm, I'm getting a contract, I'm Mike Huckabee or whatever, and then I give a half million to this PR firm and they will buy 50,000 copies of his own book so he can say he's a bestseller. It'll right, it'll right. trigger it, but it won't stay there. Oh gotcha. <clears throat> you gotta sustain only, that week. It only by stays week. there if people are actually buying the thing, like mm. legitimate people. So I didn't mm-hmm. do any of that. Um, and it just kind of did its own thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <sighs> it sounds like the the thing that helped you from your marketing and advertising days was just kind of your experience with working with people they can make a presentation being able to have a quick answer when someone says describe yourself you know because being able to go do book events um that is a force multiplier Mm -hmm. like if you can go and be entertaining and talk to people Mm -hmm. like like i i've I, I listened to a podcast um, called Authors on Tour Live, and it's sponsored by the Tattered Cover Bookstore in Denver. Mm. And I listened to that before my book came out, and I'd be like, okay, this is, this is just like chloroform. This is putting me to sleep. It's awful. Mm. And then there's other times where it's like the person's really entertaining and interesting. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to be the boring ones where it's like, hi, I'm here, and I'm going to read my book for 45 minutes. So their podcast is like bringing in local authors and stuff? No, like that. it's it's everybody on tour. Like, yeah, oh, touring authors. Yeah, so they get big authors, and they will roll in. And some uh-huh. huge best-selling authors are just dreadful in person. Gotcha. Like, they're just <laughs> unbelievably boring. That and makes like, sense. I don't want them to read me the book for an hour. I want <laughs> them to talk about the book yeah. and talk about themselves and answer questions and stuff. And uh, I, on my first tour, I did, I did a book event with a woman. They, they paired us up. So there was two of us at every slot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she did not like touring. She hated public speaking. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is what I do. I just walk up to the podium, I flip to a random page, I read for my assigned time, and I close the book and I leave. And I was like, 
that sucks for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one yeah. wants that. Everyone doesn't like you because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, that's, t- yeah. I, everyone can read at home by themselves mm-hmm. with a cup of coffee. They don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people that can read their own stuff. And it's, if it's funny stuff like David Sedera, some gets super entertaining. Oh, it's yeah, cool. David. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I didn't want to do that. So I definitely treat touring, it's more, it's closer to stand up. Like mm-hmm. I have, I have bits mm-hmm. and enough bits to form a set and enough sets. You can have an act and I can talk for 60 minutes without notes and just, you know, I, I literally will have a set list. I'll be in the green yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, nice. I'm going to talk to this. I'm going to segue to that. And then uh-huh. I have these three options and I'll do this, this, this. And these are the kind of like the, the stories I'm going to tell. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. And so, so you can keep it kind of feeling free and in the moment, but you do have prepared things that you know you want to touch on. And yeah. And then as you're doing things, stuff will just come out and that will be engaging or entertaining. And you're like, okay, I'm going to keep that. Yeah. Or I yeah. said this and that bombed. Everyone looked at me like I, you know, they didn't know what I was talking about. So I crossed that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I'm about halfway through my tour, I have kind of a tight thing. And it's like, it's like 50% entertainment and like 40% maybe educational and 10% reading. Like I'll mm-hmm. read like one page and, and that's it. And do tons of Q&A. And, mm-hmm. and so being, when you have that, your publisher will send you on tour. They don't want to send anyone on tour that doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. That's a waste of their time or our time and their money. And so if I'm, if I'm a good author that they can tour, then when I'm out, the tour... Um, from the tour come lots of interviews mm-hmm. and some of them are those just the dumb like hi you're at this tv station for two minutes and nobody cares but some are like you know a real juicy interview on a very on a station that's listened to by hundreds of thousands of people and mm-hmm. you can do those interviews and then you go home that night and it's like boom you see your your amazon sales ranking just like spiking because mm. you 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 hit you reached a lot of a lot of ears cool so it works it kind of it can mm-hmm. sometimes it it it's a waste of time, but sometimes it's it's huge. Well, that's what me and Brian are going to be doing. You can just yeah. check your yeah. <laughs> check your stats here yeah, when this comes out. Same. Yeah, when this comes out, those uh, pre, the pre orders um, they're going to the they're going to be going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice when I was doing a little bit of not just Wikipedia, but um, I, I just looked at what books were out there, and you have a couple that are like. You, you just little small pieces. Oh, sure, there, stories. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah little short yeah. stories and stuff that are in there. But then, like, the main books, uh, I noticed that you actually read them for the audio book. Oh, that I, that I did the reading? That you did the reading. Oh, not really. I, well, one of them I read the author's note. Like... And then somebody else did the reading? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay, because gotcha. okay, yeah. so, they, like, they have real voice talent that, like... When audiobooks first popped up like 20, 30 years ago, the author read it, mm-hmm. and some of the authors just suck at reading. Right, and I, so I, is, I, I is might that be one of those? Okay, yeah, okay. So, I, that's what I was going to ask. Is yeah. like it looked like you had read, and so maybe it was just like I read parts. Okay, like parts the intro of it. Gotcha. or the author's mm-hmm. note, and I'm happy to do it, but I I don't think I'm good at it. Like I think like a real voice talent person that can do like like I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and the ones where the talent they're so good. Mm-hmm. Like it really makes it. And oh, the ones I, where absolutely! The talent is so bad, it really kills it. Yeah, and like I, I've, that's kind of how I consume books now. Yeah, I, I enjoy it when it's the the author, but I don't enjoy it when it's bad. Right. right? Yeah. And yeah. so, so I'd love it to be the author, unless that's going to be bad, and yeah. then I want I want somebody else. And so, um, do 
do you notice now listening to your own book <laughs> that you wrote in someone else's voice? Is there parts where you go? I never I, listened to them. Oh, you haven't? I've never listened okay, to Okay, because I was going to say, there, there'd have to be parts. Like, I'd listen back and go, oh, wrong affliction. Come on. That's not you know, what I was going for. That's not where the emphasis yeah. is in that sentence, you know, or, you know, whatever. I, w- I would listen back. And so that's probably why you don't. Yeah, I listened to one because uh, I have four in audiobooks too. So someone sent me like a, you know, they, they give me copies. Like, you know, you're, it publishes here and you get 10 copies of this, 20 copies of that. So I got the, the copies of the German audiobook and I listened to it for like five minutes just because it was German. It sounded, I, I took German in high school and I thought it'd be funny. And it was like, nope, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> um, and yeah, I can't listen to it read by other people because it's, I would just, It'd be just weird. Like yeah. I, I would, it's kind of like watching yourself on video. Oh, You're yeah. just very self-conscious. Yep. And yep. Um, especially someone else reading the words and maybe with a different inflection. I, I, I don't know, just, I wouldn't enjoy it probably. Yeah. It'd be too strange. Well, and I think along the music lines too, it'd be like somebody, I, I saw a little video of these, um, somebody was doing a cover song Mm-hmm. for the artists that were like behind him <laughs> uh-huh. and oh, then yeah. they came up and like joined him right yeah. they uh-huh. came up and joined him for the song and he, and he was like really popular but i think it'd be along those same lines like mm-hmm. like listening to someone playing your music and go oh no oh nobody no because i think <laughs> when you do cover songs you purposely change them so that yeah. you're not trying to like exactly replicate yeah like i thought i had i thought i thought um Darius Rucker was in the crowd one night and I was singing a Hootie and the Blowfish song. And I was like, I was like making eyes with him (laughs) because I was like, really? Because it was like one of my better songs at the time, you know? And I was like making eyes with this guy and I was thinking it has to be him. I'm in, uh, where was I? Belt, Montana, which is not known for having all that many black people. So I was like, well, there's one black guy in the bar wearing a, a baseball cap, which he was known for at the time plain t-shirt maybe a denim shirt and i was like that's that's darius rucker right there so i'm, I'm wailing on this song you know it's a um, letter cry right touching yeah. touching heartfelt song yeah. that i'm singing locked eyes with a guy that you think wrote, wrote the song that is definitely not him <laughs> <laughs> when i came up afterwards to see how i did yeah. i, I kind of came up and then i was like oh that's not him and i kind of just urge turn <laughs> you should have apologized for the awkward eye contact while you were singing the heartfelt song no way yeah. i mean that was me singing my heart out to, oh. to some random man <laughs> i'm like you're welcome sir you got you got to see inside my soul that's right he does that one person per show. Yeah. One person. And I picked you tonight. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to have to do that at my shows. Just pick some Just random guy. Random person that you're mm-hmm. singing heartfelt songs to. Like, whoops, I thought you were Tim McGraw. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Anywho, how are we doing on time? We're at 2.25. Dang, man. Yeah, I feel we, like I could talk ways. I could, I could definitely like go. Have we, have we done two and a half hours? Two Check. and a half hours. Are you serious? I'm see, serious. See how fun we are to talk yeah. to? Wow, I talked for way too much. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Like, like, I think we could pull out a ton more uh, because I'm, I'm, so, okay. I'm so curious about like the writing process. Yeah, so. I'm wanting more. I want to know. I want to like do like a cooking thing with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I like, thought about that too. He seems like, like my be, type of guy. It would be a blast if we all like did what we did for Thanksgiving. Yeah. If we all like said, okay, we're going to go make a marshmallow something. Or something. Gonna, and know, then we, we all, all got to take the same cut of meat and cook something. You know, I think mm-hmm. it'd be fun to do that. We all show up at one person's house 
you know, just that we can all yeah. like yeah. try yeah. each and be like, okay, how'd you do? What yeah. happened? Whoa, why does this taste like that? Do I taste cardamom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, so two pressing questions for me, okay. and I'm not sure the right order. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that you cooked turkey mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving. Um, how did you cook the turkey? Oh. Like, 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 like go into some detail here. Mm. Yeah. Was there a brine with like, no, you know, I've tried brining and it just doesn't like, I think the, the only things that really are a game changer for turkey is smoking it mm. or deep frying it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I can, you can brine it for days and it's still just a dry bird. I'm, I like geese and I like duck. And so turkey is not my favorite bird. Like, like I like the dark meat. Everyone wants like the, the yeah. breast meat. And, yeah. Um, it's still, I don't know. I, I'm like bashing my own cooking. Um, I, the turkey was like, I have a turkey roaster, which I usually do. And then I'll put it under the broiler to crisp up the skin. Uh-huh. But the turkey was too big this uh-huh. year. So I couldn't get it to close. So I had to quickly pivot, do it in the oven. Um, and it was fine. It was, it was okay. So just roasted it as is. Just, just sprinkle yeah, some I mean, salt yeah, on I mean, it. Stu- I stuff the, the cavity. Like I, sometimes I stuff it, put stuffing in there, but it takes bit longer to cook mm, that's right um so I, I usually put just like apples and onions and garlic and i put some yep. like aromatics yep. in there oh, yeah, good thing. and then i'll do like a spice rub and, and butter and do all that mm. and mm. I, do you get under I, the skin i put butter under yeah, the skin yeah 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 you gotta stuff a bunch of butter in there yep. um and that and it's still it's like i've done the things where the injector you get the big yep. giant syringe yep. and you inject like a solution that's pretty good but it in it's i just think the turkey is an inferior bird. <laughs> I, I, I would definitely agree. I, like I wish we hadn't picked this for the the meal. I mean, it's it's good. It ser- it looks great. It serves a ton of people. Um, the turkey breast it looks great, but it's juicy for like five seconds, and then you got to cover it with gravy and other stuff. Yep. Whereas just like duck breast is like is really good to me. But some people it has a strong taste, and it's just not their jam. And I get that. Yeah, and I've I've had some bad duck. Some b- duck is like you. Some, what what some did this duck, duck is, eat? Yeah, like this duck had a bad diet. And my my favorite thing is goose jerky. Oh. Um, I tried the first time I ever tried goose jerky was in Iraq, and uh, one of my squad leaders somebody sent it to him. Really? Like in a care package, and okay. I was like, I have to make this. Like I need. I hadn't even goose hunted at that point, and and now like I have friends of mine. I don't get out as much. I'd like to for geese. That I'm like, bring you know, bring me your meat. Some of them run into problems. Like I don't know what to do with all of this. Now I'm hitting the mic. It's perfect. Yeah. We all did it now on accident. But, but you do <laughs> sausage or jerky. You can make it. You can oh, you can anything. you can make anything good. Yeah. But it was just it was just this whole different thing. And then I have a buddy that cooks um, goose breast, just almost like a steak, mm. like just salt, pepper, you know, medium rare, like really good. Um, yeah, there's there's something to it. But but for a lot of people, it's kind of acquired an acquired yeah. taste. Even like um, like pheasant is. It's just dry. Oh, pheasant is so dry. Uh, like, but like, people are like, this This is this this, del, del, this delicious game bird. or it ha- I don't know why it has like this this reputation. And it's just not good. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to cook right. It really is. It's, I mean, it's a Cornish game hen, essentially, yeah. you know, and, and it's so easy to overcook and take out all the moisture. And we're, we're kind of spoiled with uh, our chicken because like, they're not natural, right? <laughs> like the way that we get them from the store, they're not natural. No. So the, the reason they stay moist is because they're not natural. Like that's, you know, you, you, 
yeah. Anyway, I we, could go on a whole tangent. I have question number two has nothing to do with Turkey. Okay. Um, have you had writer's block? Oh God, yeah. And how did you get over it? And what is it? Fe- what does it have it right feel now. Like? <laughs> right now? Right now? Okay. I have it as we speak. Okay. And so, so yeah. what happens? Like you go in and you go to sit down at the computer. You know, like mm. I've got, a, I've got this book I'm writing. I know the direction I want it to go, but I. Is it the next sentence that's hard, or is it literally like, what does that feel like? If I knew, I wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> like, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> yeah. With my last book, I, I didn't, like, I had such a bad experience with my editor. I knew I was going to go out and probably have to fight for a new contract. Um, so in the back of my mind, there's like a monetary discussion going like, you got to do this because this pays the bills and keeps kids in college or whatever um but and that i just had a vapor lock from that i like i i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't want to write something i didn't want to write i didn't yeah, want to write yeah, something yeah. i was supposed to write or expected to write i, I really want to just follow my own curiosity and and something that I, that i would stay up late reading i would stay up late writing um i went and my agent god love her she's wonderful i will she's She's fabulous, but she definitely had not great suggestions. <laughs> so like, why yeah. don't you do this? I'm like, eh, okay, yeah, no. Um, and she's just, she's trying to help. She's trying to help. Um, but I had some weird ideas. And then I went to a writing, uh, it was an artist residency in, in north of Chicago. And it's like, a, I describe it as a herd of unicorns. Because it's like artists and musicians and like playwrights and sculptors and dancers and filmmakers and they all you know it's an, an artist residency you apply they, they give you a room they feed you and you can just work there for free for like a month and i i went and i ran into this other author that i had met before her name's megan steelstra and she's like she's kind of like an older sister to me in that she's just wiser <laughs> and smarter and she writes non-fiction she writes personal essays that are really deep and she just like she just like like it was like a good shrink like she just diagnosed me in like two minutes yeah and she's just like like what are you doing don't do this don't do this while you're here just divorce yourself from all of these expectations write what you want to write and if nothing happens at least you didn't spend your time like just as a hack doing something you truly don't want to do yeah and then kind of came up with the synopsis and it and it grew from there so it was just i needed someone to push all the noise away and and kind of give me the green light to just uh, i forgot like when people ask me for writing advice I, I often say like give yourself permission to fail like it's okay like like if you try to be perfection you're just never going to get started and yeah. i kind of had to give myself permission to just go crazy do something super weird Mm-hmm. Um, the new book is super weird <laughs> and um and people seem to really dig it so that's cool but I'm, I'm at a point now where i wasn't expecting this new book to be taking off kind of the way it is and so now this other project i was working on seems too simple by comparison yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. oh no i have to follow up possibly a really big book and that's really hard and so i'm i'm struggling right now just to sort of walk away from um, expectation and try to write in a bubble again, not caring what anyone thinks. And mm. I'm just going to write it. For, I, I mean, 
the purest thing is just to write for myself. Like, this is it. I'm just yeah. writing for me. Yeah. I don't care. It's hard not to care. Oh, it, to- it totally is. Attached. It totally like, is. Oh, yeah. I should care. Because I know in the back of my mind, my, my next contract comes after this one. Uh-huh. And you're only as good as your last book. So the contract yeah. is really something to celebrate, but kind of a double-edged sword. Oh, it's For your terrible. creativity. It's you're terrible. like, well, I got paid. Yes, I did it. I'm validated. But now I have to do it again because people are expecting me to do it because yeah. I've proven that I can. Uh-oh. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't have these expectations when I was doing it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I grew up super poor, so I'm very suspicious of money. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, I don't know what this means, but it uh-huh. means uh, it's I'm there's weird expectations. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I, yeah, I do. I don't want to write with dollar signs in my eyes. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, a recipe that we do not want to make. And, and some people do it. You know, some people they're just these mega bestsellers. Like Nicholas Sparks makes like twenty million a year. Whoa! And so obviously, he's writing with this expectation, and he's just mm-hmm. fulfilling it time and time again, and just cashing mega check after mega check. Um, I don't think I'm built that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'd be easier if I was, and I could just like, you know, just sleep on a bed of money, and that'd be okay. But it's just not <laughs> a Scrooge McDuck pawn. Uh, yeah, you know, it's cool. not not my motivation. I wish I could do stuff like that for like a while. Like, don't you wish <laughs> yeah, you could right? just like do like three months of just like money grubbing work? Yeah, and then just be like, okay, now I'm done. I I don't have to do that for the rest of the year. I'll yeah. just, but I'll do it next season for three months, and then the rest is mine. I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, it's like wedding season, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you're like, just a like, yeah, mm-hmm. like. Okay, I'm gonna. I have to do all these weddings. Let me mm-hmm. get them out of the way. But that yep. means then I can write. I can record. Mm-hmm. I can yep. play in a bar rather than you know mm-hmm. a wedding season. Literally yeah. my plan yeah. until I realized I just can't bring myself to do that many weddings. Like yeah. I can do them every now and again. I, sure, maybe one a month. But that's not enough to... <laughs> yeah, if you're doing them because you want to do them. Then mm-hmm. it's like if someone I know yeah. asks me, I love doing that. That's fun. But if it's, yeah, the work is just the wrong type of work, there is no amount of money that you can give me. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're similar in that way. There is no amount of money you can give me to do work I don't want to do. And it, and it may not work. Mm-hmm. Like in publishing, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to sell out. I'm going to write this book. And it's yeah. going to be a big payday at the end. And then if there's not... And then there's not. What do you do then? And then, and then, and then you sold out, yeah. right? And, and you weren't even being your true self. And it didn't do what it was right. supposed to do. And you're like, I should have just done what yeah. I wanted to do to begin with. Yep. And so what can Joe and I do um, right <laughs> now to help you get through... Um, mm. the current writer's block. Cause I, now I'm thinking this might also be very similar to like giving someone a penny when they <laughs> give you a knife. Like yeah. when you have writer's block, you're probably not supposed mm. to talk about it or something. And like so, that. you know, something, something along those lines. So what can we do um, right now, right here on the podcast that you'll be like, yep, this will magically fix it. Magically fix it. Mm-hmm. Can we Ooh. give you permission? It's okay. You can give me your permission or just, uh, yeah, just, oh gosh, this is a, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something vaguely offensive and it'll offend many of your uh, your listeners. Okay, I apologize. Intriguing. Great. Um, but Spoiler it was, alert. But it was uh, uh, there's a gosh, who was it? Um, he was a author. He's also a comedian. He's also a, a chef named Eddie Wong, and he um, he was being courted by Food Network. 
And um, Anthony Bourdain, when he was still alive, basically heard he was going to get this big deal and came to him and said, don't suck the golden dick. He's like, don't do it. They will suck your life out of you. Don't sell out to this. Yeah. And, um, and he didn't. He went with Vice Media and does like a web show and he can do anything he wants. Mm. And I would just say, tell me not to sell out. <laughs> it's so tempting because there's like, yeah, there's people that were like, you know, here's a room full of money and we mm -hmm. will back up a dump truck and pour it on your lawn if you write this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and one, it's kind of an illusion. Like you might do it and it may not work. So, yeah. so why do it? Um, you should only do it because that's what you want to do in this, in this field. Cause, cause writing a book's really freaking hard and write something that's not authentic to what you want to do and have it fail is like a double failure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you fail, at least fail at something you enjoy. And so, um, yeah, just tell me not to sell out cause it's, it's tempting at times. Well, I don't even know if we have to tell you not to sell out. I think, we, I think, <laughs> I think you're already there. Like when we've talked about the podcast and like you go through, you go through some periods where like we have like a really good episode. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like it, for some reason, like people aren't listening to that mm -hmm. one all the way through, like they'll stop at minute seven or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. and when when but, Jamie said, don't suck the golden dick suddenly, <laughs> yeah, suddenly like, <laughs> no it, just got, it just got turned stop. off. Like what happened? Yeah. That was uh, Anthony Bourdain's words, not mine. Everybody yeah. stopped at two thirty eight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like ultimately like we're doing this for free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's not even a money thing. We could try to like tailor it to sound more like, uh, you know, Joe Rogan or something, you know, or, or, yeah. or to be more scripted or whatever. But we're like, man, we want to, we want a podcast that we want and, to listen to. And organically, it'll, it'll get to wherever it's supposed to go. Right, wherever it's know? supposed to go. And we don't know where that's at, but it's not motivated by listeners or money right, right. now. It's just, it's mm -hmm. just, we're going to do a podcast we, we want to, we want to hear. Yeah. We, literally, you went and picked up your coffee and I was like, all right, Joe, remember, like, this is a podcast we want to hear. You know, we, we went through that kind of like mantra mm -hmm. because uh, if we don't want to listen to our own stuff. And so you got to think if you're going to write a book that you don't want to read, it's like, who are you trying to appease? You know, like the, 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 the biggest, biggest thing is just uh, it's apparently made out of gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least his genitals. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. I, I just have to remind myself that I, I can't manufacture a zeitgeist moment like you just can't and yeah i, mm -hmm. I remember this it was it was on a rogan podcast where we had billy corgan from uh, smashing pumpkins oh yeah and who's had like you know this weird career yeah like, very yeah. mega weird. success and then he's like a meme of a sad guy on the yeah. roller coaster at yeah. disneyland yeah, 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 yeah. And, um and all this stuff and he talked about like how it took him a while to to realize he can't just be this auteur and make it happen yeah like he can just do his thing and if it happens it happens and if it doesn't it doesn't and um, mm -hmm. just be happy that he had a couple moments and um, observe those for what they are mm -hmm. but not try to replicate it yeah. just to keep exploring and if your audience isn't there okay that sucks but mm -hmm. um, at least you're fulfilled with what you're doing it's easy to say that because he's got millions and residual <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so but the same thing like like someone like chris cornell killed himself and he had mega hits and then i'm sure he's trying to like come up with new music and then the audience is like play this one yep. from 30 years ago and you either sort of become the eagles or you don't and some people can't and um yeah 
I don't know. Sorry, it's just a weird tangent. Of, but no, no, about no. Being a creative person, that it's okay. It's how do you how do you sustain what you want to do versus what is ex- expected of you? Yeah, it's because you know, and there's like little insight we get over the years of trying things out, thinking that that's going to bring success, and then it doesn't, and then we have to go, well, why didn't that work? And it's like, well, Joe Rogan, because we mentioned him, like Joe Rogan wasn't sitting there listening listening to a guy exactly like Joe Rogan, right. going, ooh, I'm going to emulate this guy. I'm yeah. going to do what he does. He, yeah. was, he was just like, I'm going to be me, and I'm going to hit record, and then people will tell me what's what's interesting about me, because I don't know. I'm, I'm going to yeah. try this and see, because I like it. I'll do it no matter what I like. It turns me on. I can put a lot of effort into it. And I like talking with my friends. I like talking right. with interesting people. And, so, and he followed his own curiosity. So I'm like, okay, his I'm own really curiosity. into, yep. you know, uh, whatever it is and have someone come on. And, and what it. a weird mix to do UFC and <laughs> random scientists. And then, you know, whatever yep, he does, have like ultra marathoners, yeah. hunters, <laughs> yeah. like uh, biochemists. If, if someone was trying to get that book sold, I think the editors would just be like, I'm not buying that weird nonsense. <laughs> we got to sell this to somebody who are we selling it to. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And so, so, uh, along the lines of you, like, yeah, if you, if, if you double fail, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. Like what if you only singly fail, right? Like you sold out, but then it does do well. Are you going to continue to sell out? You know, like then you're, then you're down this whole path. You got to figure out what success is for you. So you don't end up all sad. Yeah. Cause if, if the sellout becomes successful, that's what you are. Yeah. Right. Like it becomes you. Mm-hmm. But if you can say that, like everything I've done has been authentic, and some of these has just been magic, right? Mm-hmm. That have that have been touched. But I can say that every one of these has been authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's it. And then my 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 cousin, uh, who I mentioned earlier, weird that he's on my brain this much, but he, uh, the, the writer, he he told me that when he would get into some writer's block, he would then just like set like he he. he set a time of day where he just wrote and it didn't even have to be for the project he was working on. He would just get words on paper yeah. and he set like this three Goal. pages or, you know, 600 words or, you know, whatever. And he'd just say, I'm, I'm doing a thousand words and I don't care if they even mean anything or if I'm going to use them for anything. Just get them out. Is that something that would work for you? Not <laughs> at all. I'm Not shaking my head. Yeah. I, I want it to work for me and I've tried and it just... Like if it's, if it's, it's either working or it's not, it's like, uh, <laughs> writing for me is like a diesel engine. It takes a long time to get it going and then you just let it run and don't turn it off. Oh, oh, and oh. That's how I do it. So then, so then do you have like, oh, it, the, 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 the engine just finally warmed up and yeah. it's 11 o'clock at night and I now need to just go. Yeah. I'll write like, all night. And you just, you just write and your wife wakes up the next morning and it's like, oh, <laughs> I need, I know it's I going to, good. like, yeah. I need to leave him alone right yeah. now. I'm going to bring him a coffee, yep. but not, you know, not give him a back rub. That'll just, we're just going to coffee. <laughs> I'm out of the room. Let him go. And what is, what is your longest stint been? Um, I mean, it, early on, there were times where I'd write just, you know, I'd write 15 hours or something <sighs> like that, but it's not good. Like I, I've, I've learned now to like pace myself instead of instead of doing uh, a lot a little just do a little a lot and so mm. I'll write once it's really going I'll write seven days a week mm-hmm. and even if one day I just write a page but yeah. I'm staying in present in the story and I'm just kind of it just keeps marching forward and then once it's my wife calls it storyland once I'm in storyland I'm there <laughs> and it's like I'm I'm not a great companion because we'll go to dinner and I'm just like staring at the walls <laughs> and I'm in my head thinking of stuff <laughs> and she'll tell me stuff and I'll forget and like 
you know, go pick up the kids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, shoot, I was supposed to do that. Whoops. Um, so it's kind of the nutty professor. Um, and it takes a while to get there. But once I really get it, then I'm like, okay, now we're off to the races. And nice. then I'll spend you know, months just kind of chugging away. And, and, and life will get in the way. So I got to do stuff with family or travel and do things and I mean, normal stuff. But my preference is just to stay in, in that world keep kind of in story away yeah storyland 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 so you've never done like a uh what do they call it nanorimo it's uh, the national novel writing month so um from the first to the 31st or 30th of november you write a 50,000 word novel yeah from start to finish and everyone does it and it's an online thing i did it a couple of years ago and the only thing you do is what your cousin was doing just you can even be gibberish just you, hammer. you, you yeah. can you can just write whatever you want and i did it and i mean it was fun it was cool to have like this goal like you had to write like 2500 words a day or something That's to be on track and um i don't know that i I mean, I felt good at the end of it. Like I did something. I was like, "Whoa, I did it! I accomplished like a thing." But it was un- a marathon. It was like unreadable nonsense. Yeah. Most of it, you know. Yeah. Like I had some some ideas that maybe if I went back in there, I'd go, "Oh, that'll remind me of a story," but probably not. It was mostly like, "Okay, let's just get this done today." So it's interesting because that's how they. I mean, that's the whole point of that National Writing Month is um, to show people a how hard it is. Like it's. It's a lot of writing, mm-hmm. um, but B, it's possible. You can do it. You know, if you set the goal this many day, hours a day, <clears throat> you can physically type these words. But it, here's how it, it feels to get it just one done. Is it now you're on to your next in, one. Is it actually in November mm-hmm. with no shave November yeah. and, and the other one? Like you pile all those on. Like Sober that's, that's October. Just, yeah, you don't have to yeah. shave. You know, you yeah, can be you, drunk in November though. So yeah. <laughs> no shaving, get drunk. Make some uh, brownies yeah. <laughs> and get some writing done. Yeah. It doesn't have to mean it, it. I don't know. I recommend it if you haven't tried it. It's just it's it's just a fun adventure. Yeah. Well, and like like I said, like kind kind of like running a marathon. Like yeah. you like, but this one, not that you don't have to train. Like if you wanted to have a product when you were done, you would have to train. And you could. It. And and there's some there's some of that where you can do a little bit of training, and they kind of. Uh, say don't do that just write and just have this be an exercise but some people are like well i'm going to use this to write a book that i'm going to publish some people have published those those books yeah i have friends that are like this my novel started Mm -hmm. with with nanowrimo wrote it in november and it became boom here it is at the bookstore Mm -hmm. wow that's crazy and that kind of reminded me i I wanted to try it because i read that book uh on writing by stephen king Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good book it's a great book he just and his his is uh stephen king also did it ton of drugs so. oh so many drugs he doesn't even remember yeah. writing carrie or something yeah. Yeah. he's like i don't remember writing that but i'm glad i did yeah. <laughs> um, but he was an english teacher and then he did the same thing he just was like he gave himself a uh, no not not the same thing he was more of a just every day mm-hmm. i'm gonna write it's gonna be from the last sentence i was writing yesterday and i'm just gonna push for four hours and that's what i'm yeah. gonna do and that became his routine yeah. his deal his routine and i mean to get published he, he kind of talked how he went through that and got rejected time and time again until he got one note that was like you're not editing it's just you know take this this is really good but take out like 25 percent, maybe 30 percent. 30 percent of this doesn't even need to be in there so and so then he started to get yeah so anyway it's just a process with everybody you got to find your thing you know yeah. some people can't just sit down and go well it's 6 a.m time to start writing for four hours and it's going to be good they have to wait for the 
or where's the ideas or yeah. uh, what are my characters doing today? How can I get into storyland? Cause I can't see it. I don't know what's happening. It's interesting. Everyone yeah, has their own process. Cause that would be, that would be a chore as well as like, just like you said, when you're in storyland, like you're literally in, you're in this story and you're remembering, you know, conversations that happened and, and different things. There's a things. lot of moving parts. That and you it probably remember. feels good yeah. though, right? When you're in it and yeah. you're like, Ooh, an enjoyable feeling of being yeah. there. And I can yeah. just imagine like, um, you're driving, you know, you're running a quick errand, but you're in Storyland, right? Yeah. You're running a quick errand, but just so happens you get pulled over. Yeah. And now it's like, is this real life? You know, like you're almost <laughs> thinking like, oh, I got to stay in Storyland, but I got to answer these questions and, and putting too much brain power over in some area might take you out of Storyland. Officer, can you just give me the ticket real <laughs> can quick? Can you just give yeah. me the ticket gotta, real quick? I can I answer even, none of your questions. Here's my whole wallet. I don't even know where any of this is. I got to stay in Storyland. Yeah, you. I can inhabit a world and uh, almost to an unhealthy degree. Yeah, yeah. Where mm. I'm just like, I'm just constantly thinking about this, thinking about this, and then I'm like... I'm like, my wife, I'm just like, I'm in my office playing with my imaginary friends. That's <laughs> pretty much what it's like. Mm-hmm. I'm just staring into space for hours and writing for hours. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, gosh, the real world is so annoying. <laughs> and, and so there's there's one other thing that just popped up as you said that is like, um, you know, so you you contracts. I'm not trying to get into yeah. um, the the details of how much any of those have been. Like sure. that, that's not it. But do you work out in the contracts like they're going to, and I'm going to make something up like, yeah, ten, yeah. T- we'll just say 10 grand. Cause that's sure. a round number. We're going to pay you 10 grand for this book. Um, do you get a check for 10 grand or do mm. you say, I want this over the next 12 months? Cause I got, oh. you know, like, like how does that work out where then you can dedicate the time to writing mm. and you're not like washing cars or something or, you know, cause that would be bad for me yeah. if someone gave me, 10 grand lump like, sum. you know they gave me that lump <laughs> sum and i'd just be like yeah i'll write for you you understand i don't have to do yeah. any like you give one me. weekend in vegas later yeah mm-hmm. how um, does that how does that work they give um, you half up front like, oh, like yeah they, the, the way they do it is like if, if the contractors for 10 grand they chop it up into thirds and so they give you a third of it upon signing the contract a third of it upon them accepting the manuscript and a third when it's published hmm. and then you get like if they give you 10 grand you have to sell 10 grand worth of books. And then after that, you get royalties. Royalties, yeah, okay. It's like percentage of every book, yeah. or ebook or... And, that, and that's all part of the contract. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe like album sales or something that like every book that sells, you get a, a dollar twenty-five. Yeah. you know, and, and hmm. after you've fulfilled what we already gave. Exactly. Right. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's an advance. It's like you have to out-earn your advance. And some, most books never out-earn their advance. They just don't. They're, it's like publishing. It's like betting on a bunch of horses. Oh. <laughs> a couple of them become like Fifty Shades of Grey, and that affords all the other horses. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so they yeah, can make yeah, lots yeah, of yeah. mistakes. Yeah, yeah. they, they bet lots on of a lot of bad horses. Gotcha. Yeah. This reminds me of the um, that Jewel interview with uh, and oh she, with Rogan. Yeah, and she had mentioned that uh, they were going to give her a million dollar advance that she turned down because she didn't want to be beholden to selling that many yeah. records and then cool. thinking about finishing more songs. She's just like, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and I'll make the money that I make. And and yeah. And she had negotiated the biggest, you know, royalty. Oh, the back end. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was like a record. Yeah. Because it's same thing. She had like a bidding war going on. Like mm-hmm. you, you everyone liked that album. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd rather get paid less and 
outperform than to be paid a ton and oh, feel yeah. like a failure. Like and, sure. and, and like in their debt, because then the next contract, again, like we've already stated a couple of times, like you're, you're, they're like, okay, well, we're going to take, again, working off 10 grand. We're going to take that two grand you still owe us. Mm-hmm. That's coming off this contract. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to give you less. Yeah, my last, my last contract, my last book, it was a huge contract. The book did not do well. And, and, and again, my agent is like, it doesn't matter because they're just paying you for how well the other books did. This is, mm. this is, it's, again, it's like, it's like you won the Super Bowl as a rookie and your next contract, they're going to give you a ton of money for yeah. what you just yeah. did. Yeah. Not necessarily for what, they're not expecting you to win the Super Bowl. They'd like you to, but they're, they're really paying you for where you brought them. Yeah. And, but it really screws with your head. Like yeah. It, yeah. There was a big contract and I'm just writing and I'm like, no matter what I do, this is going to be a failure. <laughs> like it was, it was hard. Like yeah. get out of that mindset. And um, another, uh, yeah, we probably do need to end at some point. <laughs> we, we need to end. Like we're going to have um, human needs that come up as far as sure. you, eating food and, yeah, and sure. the restroom. Yeah. Um, but but I, I'm now thinking like, uh, what, what do you, what's this Folgers can below my? <laughs> yeah, that is, that goes with the funnel okay. that's under there. Yes, to, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What what are you uh, like? Literally, what are you writing on? Are you on a Mac? Are you on a PC? Are you on a? I saw on Wikipedia that you bought a typewriter. Yeah, Harlan's typewriter. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you prefer? I I'm on a laptop. I'm on a Mac laptop, and I have a big ass monitor that I plug into. Cool. And that's it. Is the monitor vertical or horizontal? It's it's a it's horizontal. Okay. Um, part of me is like maybe I get a second monitor, but it's kind of like golf clubs the more expensive the golf clubs you get you don't get and i don't golf so i'm butchering a metaphor but you don't you know it's, it's not the gear yeah because there are people yeah. that write on yellow legal pads and write mega bestsellers just longhand the pen and paper still like still, to this day yeah well I, maybe not as many but like pat conroy who died a few years ago like all his books when he was done he had just like a a three foot tall stack of yellow legal pads that he would give to someone who would transcribe them Oh my goodness! Yeah. Intern, yeah, that's that's crazy. But back in the day, that's what people did, you know. And with the typewriter, I, it's I'm so happy just to have a laptop and. And with the laptop, is it the um, the newest Mac? I'm not trying to no, like. No, no. It's I mean, an, I'm so I'm wondering if the keyboard, right? Like that's that's the biggest thing. Is like, what kind of keyboard are you into? As far as the return that it's giving you as you're typing, or does that not even play a part at all? Nah, it doesn't really like I, 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 I spent money on a nice, on a on a powered standing desk. So you uh-huh. press a button, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That really saves like my back, and it's just nice to just you know, so you're just not so completely sedentary. Um, but as far as the device, like I think I this book I just finished, I'm probably writing in like. Microsoft 2008 or something like that. <laughs> really old. It's yeah. like I haven't graduated. I bought some new different software, but I have to relearn it. And I just not, I'm just, there was, I just wasn't into it. I'm like, okay, I'll just open up a document and just keep going. Um, Microsoft Word's not great, but it's what I've used. Um, and sometimes I'll, you know, I'll use, I'll make notes on a, in a sketchbook or on my phone. And like my phone is, the notes on my phone are all book stuff. It's just like, and sometimes I go through, I'm like, oh, wow, I wrote that. And I was yeah. on this plane, I wrote that. And I was like, you know, just on the side of the road. And I had this idea and I had to make a note. Um, and that's kind of how I do it. Every, everyone's different. 
Um, everyone has their own way of doing it. And I, I tried to jump out and do some other ways thinking it might be more productive, but, um, and, and as the books are different, they require different things. So I don't, I kind of edit as I go. So what I have is really tight by the time I get to the end, but this new book, it, it was so complex. That the one that's on pre-order now or the yeah. one that, that you're not finished with? No, the pre-order. Yeah. Okay. That one, the one that's coming out next June, I did have to at one point stop and I'm just going to just, I'm just going to rough out a whole bunch of sections of the book because I just have to get it on paper because my brain can't keep all the moving, moving parts. Right, right, right. I can't juggle them all. So I think depending on the complexity of the book, whatever I do will be different. Um, but again, it's it's all a learning experience. Like I, I will publish my fourth book. I've written uh, six. So I have two unpublished books. Um, and every time it's a little different and I, I feel like I'm still growing and it's like it's like the Beatles their first songs were like she loves you yeah 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 <laughs> they're really simple <laughs> and then their latter songs were much more complex Justin Bieber baby 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 yeah uh, you know we yeah. start at a really simple place and try to you know try to evolve I think but but sometimes like that evolution might take you away too because the simplicity mm. can, is can be more attractive uh, oh. especially to a simpleton like myself like you know, I may not even understand some of the stuff, you know, be, you yeah. know that, that you're putting in there. Uh, and, you, and you might make people really happy with what you're doing. And they're like, why are you changing? Yeah, like, yeah. Because then, then, yeah, you, you like get these fans. Metallica cutting their hair. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, no, you've sold out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, <laughs> okay, so some silly questions are, what font yeah. are you reading and writing in? Uh, Times. Times. Roman. Times comic Roman. Sans. It's okay. all Comic Sans. Yeah, I was going to say, is Wing it Comic dings. Sans? Yeah, okay. Uh, times, uh, uh, dark mode or light mode? Uh, I guess light, light. It, 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 like So it's white paper on black yeah. writing. Yeah. Not, no. you don't do any, like, anything yeah. like that? No. Yeah. Um, music playing while you're writing? Um, some. It's weird. You mentioned Stephen King. Like, supposedly Stephen mm -hmm. King writes with, like, ACDC just blasting, oh, right? yeah, cranked to 11 while he's writing. Again, Stephen King did a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah, he's he's done a lot of drugs. So his, yeah. his work habits came from a different place. Um, I, I need it quiet. Um, when I edit, I can listen to anything. Or I can have like, you know, Netflix on in the background of a, of a show I've watched 10 times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I relate to that a lot. Yeah, it's like, oh, Predator, the 17th time. Okay, yep, cool, yep, of course, yep. you do this. Um, but when I'm... When I'm really writing, I can't have words. Like so, like I'll listen to foreign music because I don't understand the words. Yep. And that works. Or I'll listen to um, ambient music. My my son produced a bunch of like lo-fi hip hop, um, which, which is what the kids these days listen to when they're doing their homework in their dorms or something like that. So it's just kind of ambient, um, and I can write to that just fine. I can't crank it to eleven. But I can have it, you know, where I can listen to it. But it's and it's not a distraction. I don't think it helps, though. You know, what I mean, like, it doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't make the writing better. It's just a different environment, and I don't really need it either way. So mm -hmm. it's much easier just to sit down with a cup of coffee and my dog at my feet and just, I'm, yeah, just, I'm just trying yeah, to figure get, it out. Getting the picture now. 
Um, I wish it was like, I come to my office and it's just like, boom, I crank this really cool <laughs> yeah. music and I'm just like, You've, you've yeah. got like yeah. your own private uh, like fireplace super, yeah. there. Like and a super sexy and like, yeah, yeah no, nah, it's not. It's, it's really unglamorous and it's a lot of times I'm just staring out the window like, uh, what do I do? Okay, this, let me try this. And I've, I've thought about, um, I've got a couple cool stories in my life mm-hmm. that I'd love to share with people. Yeah but I don't like the act of writing. I, mm. And I can kind of edit as I go. I had a mm-hmm. really good English professor uh, the first year I was in college that just like, I didn't understand English until he taught it. And mm. I was just like, oh my goodness. Now it's kind of been a while, so some of that's faded, but um, I at least know the difference between a verb and a noun, you know. Um, but if, <laughs> it's, so it's more not, than me. I've, I've <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have a degree in creative writing. I, I My last English class was high school, so... I'm, I'm kind of super insecure oh, about my work because awesome. I that's don't awesome. have a degree in it. And people are like, where do you teach? And I'm like, uh, I don't. And like even UGF, like they asked me like, can you come speak at our commencement? I'm like, well, one, sure. And two, I don't have a college degree. And they're like, uh, let us get back to you. <laughs> they never did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, no, that's awesome. Um, I love the fact that, that you can be on a bestseller list and not have gone to college it's because like there's be so much. You can be a musician. You don't have to go to Berkeley or someplace. so much pressure for, for kids to, you know, I've got two 17-year-olds in my house right now that are like so much pressure of like, where am I getting this college? I don't have 50000 a year to, you know, give them. And My, my daughter just finished her three-year apprenticeship. She's a tattoo artist. Here I'm in like, town? Uh, Black Owl in Missoula. <sighs> yeah, I'm like... That's I'm like, she has no student loans, right? Like she mm-hmm. makes 115 hours. She's a yep. tr- she's a tradesman. Yeah, I love it, that. It's it's like a trade. It's a trade. You know? yeah, that's and what she I. She's, she's booked three months out, and I'm just like, that's so magical. Yeah, that's the way I do it. You know, because you can either I mean, as a as someone going to college, you can think one of two things. You know, either college is going to be my golden ticket, and there's going to be a job waiting for me, and I'll figure out how to pay for it. Or you can, what I did, I mean, I went to college, but then, I mean, I have a business degree. And so I think, and I, I wanted to do lots of different things, and, but I worked at a college. And so I saw people graduating with all these useless degrees that they thought were going to be the magic ticket. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get my degree, finish this up. So I didn't waste a lot of time. And everything in the whole wide world that makes money is a business. So I'll figure out how to do business. Yeah. And instead of trying to find a huge rock star lifestyle million dollar thing, I'll just try to make money. Like <laughs> I'll just, just try to figure out what songs people want me to play that I can do well to make money and then have not be one of those starving artists, you know, just be yeah. a poor artist. <laughs> yeah, poor but fed artist, you know. That's yeah. what I was going for. And a tattoo thing, that's yeah. perfect. I wish I could do something like that, you know, like these little you know, you make your own money. You don't need someone else out there to be hiring you or I don't know. I just, yeah. I like that. I like the, um, take, take your life into your own hands and know that you can do it. Know that, um, there are people that don't have degrees in whatever your dream is and they've done it. They did it before everyone and everyone's trying to copy them who have deg- degrees. Yeah. Um, not every time I'm not saying everyone don't go to college and you still have to go to college to be a surgeon. So I'm not saying, you know, sure. don't, don't take that into your own hands. Um, <laughs> but for just many, get a lot of experience, just get some friends but for many things. House. and, and know that it doesn't have to be the last thing you ever do. No, like if you no. choose this thing, Change just, your mind. Yeah, just, I'm, I'm going to try to be a librarian. Well, I didn't like that for five years. I'm going to try to drive monster trucks now. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, my, my son, uh, both my sons are musicians. And my youngest son, he's uh, he he just started 
teaching this fall, teaches high school music in Minnesota. Cool. And when he graduated, he had this like deer in the headlights moment. Like, uh-huh. oh my God, I don't know if I want to be a music teacher for the rest of my life. And I'm like, <sighs> guess what? You don't have to be. You don't have to be. <laughs> you can quit like yeah. today yeah. if you want. <laughs> every, every interview, they're going to ask you like, okay, what are your plans in five years? Because they're, they're secretly mm-hmm. asking, are you going to quit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just answer, I have no idea. I, I would love if this job works out to stay here, mm-hmm. but you don't have to stay yeah. anywhere. Yeah. I, I was just had this conversation with my daughter, not last night, the night before, because she's talking about um, she wants to do something in the medical field, probably like x-ray, you know, along those lines. Right now she's in the ICU as a CNA, and she's liking the medical field. And so you have to have schooling for all yeah, of that. For you sure. know? Mm-hmm. But um, again, we're not like some... We, 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 we don't have the money for college. Yeah. And so she's like, I think I can uh, join the military and, you know, kind of go along those routes. And I was like, listen, like none of these is like, it sounds like a death sentence when you're 17 to, to yeah. commit to something, but it's like, I'm, I'm 39 right now, you know, 40 mm-hmm. and I'm just getting ready to change careers now. Yeah. It's just so figuring right. it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it would be, it'd be different. Like, like I don't mind, "Quote unquote useless college degrees," as long as you're not paying fifty thousand a year for them. Yeah, if you wanted to sure. get a liberal arts degree in the '70s when it cost like you know a thousand dollars a year, like cool, yeah. 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 That's, that's part of your life's journey. That's right. Yeah. But now just it's enrichment. like suddenly you just got a ton of debt, and yeah. now you got to do something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think like uh, we were talking about Roadhouse Tara Beam. She was in the Air Force, became a nurse mm-hmm. in the Air Force worked as a nurse and now she runs a business that's yeah. completely different completely different and she's fantastic at both you yeah know? and it was like that's her evolution as a person she yep. she did this and until it didn't make sense for her anymore and she wanted to try something else and that's well and it's, that's it goes okay. back to the triangle you're mm-hmm. talking about right yeah. like like some money some things that you enjoy you know like yeah. like having that Honestly, I just want my my daughter or my children to to do what makes them happy, mm-hmm. and not live in a cardboard box. And and that's about it. Like those are as, yeah. as low as you can set the the bar. But man, if you are giving somebody any kind of product that they enjoy and you enjoy making it, the money the money's going to come. Enough money yeah. to support you is going to come. And it's mm-hmm. and, and it can be hard as as how old's your daughter? Seventeen. Yeah, it's hard as a parent because like as much as I'm like do what you want to do, and then my son. My oldest son, who's in Chicago, and he plays in a bunch of bands. I'm like, okay, he turns 26 this year. Hmm. Like, you know, how much longer is is this going, bro? Yeah, and I, I, but I'm like, well, you just gotta, you know, do what makes you happy as long as you can pay your rent and and um, and you're like when Taylor was really getting into music, he's like 13, and I, I we sat down. I'm like, okay, you you can do it. You just have to set in your mind. You got to be in the top five percent of whatever you're doing. Maybe the top three percent if you want to make a living at it. And um, whatever you got to do, like you can't, you can't just like, I like a guitar because you know chicks like it, but I don't really want to learn how to play it. Kind of a yeah, thing. Like you yeah. have to, you, you better be falling asleep with that guitar in your hands. Which I didn't even have to like encourage him. He like he was already like doing his thing. Um, but even. In his world, uh, there was one band that played in his garage, you know, just a punk, not a punk show, just a, you know, a DIY show. And then two years later, to the day, they played Jimmy Kimmel. And it's like, (laughs) and they're good, but they're not necessarily better than the other bands that played that night. They just, Mm -hmm. the stars lined up. And they're all good, but they just, 
know, the, the things fell into place for them. They blew up on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't just, like, manufacture, like, here's my career and I'm going to blow up on TikTok. It just either <laughs> happens or it doesn't. I'm going to start in a garage and guaranteed I'll be on Kimmel in two years and then taken off on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah guaranteed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just got to start in the garage. Where? What, what kind of garage? So everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. 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 A garage in Chicago in winter. Let's see. Put 80 people in that garage. <laughs> Can I get some links to uh, your son's bands? I'd love yeah. to just oh, keep yeah. track and take a listen. Yeah. Um, if anyone's listening, it's uh, called Origami Button. Math origami Rock. Button? Or? Origami Button. They've got oh, more cool than name. a million streams on spotify which means they make like two dollars i've heard that yeah they're just raking it in now it's so bad yeah Yeah. so bad yeah i've noticed that um i mean while i like music and i'm gonna write music and that's definitely you know what i'm pursuing i just know that it's none of that matters i'm just gonna have to do a funny video and then people are gonna make (laughs) people gonna go oh look at this guy oh and he also has music let's check that out yeah that's how i'm gonna get famous i've already planned it i don't know when yeah. yeah, well, but I know that's what's talk to him happen. later about what kind of garage you need. Yeah, it's that's why I'm reaching out. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. be like, hey, what kind of garage was that? Man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Car in it, oil stains. You got to You got to yeah. get all that figured out. What kind of posters were up? And the scantily clad ladies holding wrenches, or what do we? Yeah. Um, so let's let's ball this up. And I thought yeah. it would be fun, Joe, since you sometimes you remember the guitar, sometimes you don't. You have the guitar this time, and I know mm-hmm. you wouldn't mind if I put you on the spot. Yeah. Okay. Can you can you give us um, you know just a short little song to um, wrap up what we've talked about today? Yeah, no problem. What kind of genre are you thinking? Oh, I'm surprised me. I'm okay. I. Well, here is a story about Jamie Ford. He's sitting here on the podcast, writing his books about things he didn't took and doing other stuff, maybe later on. We wish him well, writing on his Mac with no special stuff on it. Because we know that's the way he likes to do it. We hope you come back. Maybe write us into one of your books or two. (laughs) Joel and Brian are really strong names. We're serial killers. (laughs) Thanks again, Jamie. Thanks for having me. That was nice. That was good. Uh, I went so, troubadour there for you guys. A little troubadour. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I like it. I wish you would have mentioned more about food. But that's okay. That's okay. Maybe next time we can get more food in there. I will accept that note. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a constructive criticism. Da- dangerous cook. Wait, what? Dangerous? Dangerous. Just fearless. Fearless. Keep, fearless cook. Yeah. Losing the word. Fearless cook. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because some people are just time. terrified of the kitchen. Yeah. Cook oh, without yeah. fear. Yeah. And we, we actually literally on the, the last podcast talked about like the people that stick strictly to the recipes and it's like, you can't like, like adventure a little there yeah. is some math involved in like baking and some different things where you, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're going to cure jerky, like use the right amount of cure. I don't know. But beyond that, like. I would like to say if you do cook like Jamie's mom used to cook, <laughs> you people stick to the recipe. Yeah. Read it yeah. exactly. Yep. Don't deviate. Yeah. You don't, you don't know. Okay. <laughs> that Heinz 57 sauce does not go in that soup. Okay. It doesn't make it taste better. It, it's hard in Great Falls because you can't always get 
ingredients you need. That's true. Oh, it is. It's, it's tough. I'm I'm thankful for uh, Superfoods, Super Super One Food, mm-hmm. and uh, two, two J's. J's. Two J's are, yeah. are my two favorite places when I'm Bless looking for you guys. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thankful for both of those places here in town. Jamie, where are we going to send people? Um, Instagram, sure. Twitter, yeah. Facebook. Where are we sending them? It's uh, uh, Instagram at Jamie Ford Official, Twitter at Jamie Ford. And uh, if you want to see boobs, go just Google image search <laughs> Jamie Ford and you will see someone <laughs> with bigger boobs than me. Yeah, do an image search. <laughs> yeah. Definitely image. And then jamieford.com. Yeah. Jamieford.com. That'll that'll give you the yeah, whole list on, of things. I'm on Facebook. The you know the, the, the usual suspects. I yeah. Social media is kind of a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. it more, is more evil than necessary on most days. But agreed. Yeah. And for for all you listeners, just look in the show notes and the easy links to the website, the Twitter, mm-hmm. the Instagram, the Facebook. Easy links in there. You can just click, get over there, find them. You can pre-order the book right now. Um, if you pay Joe $100,000, you can get his signed copy. Yep. Yeah, it's not, it's not mine, actually. actually. <laughs> well, that's why I said 100000 I just figured you and your wife would split 50 Oh, yeah. She'd, she'd probably go for that okay. amount. Yep. So $100,000, you can get the hard copy that's Ooh, signed. Oh, yeah. The advanced reader copy. <laughs> Man, this is going to be worth millions one day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. That's yeah. it. I think that's it. Anything that you just need to get off your chest? <laughs> okay, get comfortable, everybody. It's the time for airing of grievances. No, 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 not at all. This is this has been great. I really right. enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Well, Thanks for having me. We're glad you're in Great Falls, Montana. We're thankful for your time. Uh, it's the one thing that we don't know how much we're going to get, and when someone invests it, uh, we appreciate the investment. We thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I've been Brian. I've been Joe. We'll, we'll see, see you next show. show.